go up. I'm Mike Espy. I'm Josh Ackerman. This is Christopher Lowe. My name is Ben Teed. And I'm Michael Shannonbarger. And this evening, we'll be discussing the most talked about game on the interwebs, Mass Effect 3. Yeah. Finally, finally, guys, we are... We don't have to listen to any more complaining. We can complain amongst ourselves and discuss about this. Oh-so- or talk about how people complain too much. Yeah, exactly. And this also controversial game that people have claimed, my God, it's ruined the trilogy. Ugh. Anyway. The end of the world. I know. Apparently, the galaxy. I know. It's the end of the world. Oh, good Lord. Well, first off, as usual, I'd like to thank you for joining us or joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. And for one, also Mr. Shanenbarger for being our special guest. I know he's a big Mass Effect enthusiast as well, and I really wanted him to join in the conversation. So thank you, too, for this evening, sir. I appreciate it. No problem. Great to be here. Oh, awesome. Let's get let's get a little synopsis of Mass Effect 3. Who would like to do the honors? Chris, do you want to do the honors, man? Um, the synopsis? Yes. In Mass Effect 3, an ancient alien race known only as Reapers has launched an all-out invasion of the galaxy, leaving nothing but a trail of destruction in their wake. Earth has been taken. The galaxy is on the verge of total annihilation, and you are the only one who can stop them. The price of failure is extinction. You, as Commander Shepard, must lead the counter-assault to take it back. Only you can determine how events will play out which planets you will save from annihilation, and which alliances you will form or abandon as you rally the forces of the galaxy to eliminate the Reapers. That threat once and for all. Battle with your comrades, or even your own friends, in an all-out galactic war to take back Earth. With co-op online multiplayer missions, new to the Mass Effect universe, you can, uh, you can <laughs> choose from a variety of classes and races from elite... Special Forces squad and combined weapons, powers, and abilities to devastating effect as you all fight together to liberate key territories from enemy control in the third entry of the epic intergalactic RPG franchise. That's Effect 3. All right. That was quite epic, Chris. Rated M for mature, for blood, (laughs) partial nudity, sexual content, (laughs) strong language, violence, angry nerds. Oh, God. Rated A-N for angry nerds. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when you went into, One of the things about Mass Effect, uh, Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, I've noticed a lot of people made a compare and contrast about the uh, openings. Like, some have said number 2 had, like, one of the best openings and number 3 had, like, the best opening. Just to kick it off, just, you know, start from the beginning, did you... What'd you think of... Yeah, I guess it's the prologue, right? Is that, is that that's what it's called, the prologue? What do you guys think of the introduction in this game? Like how the game started, like the beginning cutscene and everything. Yeah, like how it started, everything else. Like, like what do you think of how it played out to the point you had to leave Earth? So pretty much throughout that whole set piece while oh. you're on Earth. Yeah. What, uh, what was your take, Josh? Did you, did it like blow your mind like Mass Effect Two when you're on the Normandy and just shit just went exponentially crazy from? As Chris would put it, zero to boner. Yeah, that's, you know, it's difficult to put it up against that because I really loved the beginning of Mass Effect 2 as well. I I loved it, though. I really did. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily better than the opening of Mass Effect 2. I would say it's probably about equal for me. You know, I did play through the demo, so I guess I spoiled that beginning for myself in doing so. <laughs> 
But uh, wow, yeah, I was I I got I'm not gonna lie, I got some chills when uh, that little kid got blown up in his little spaceship. Yeah, um, yeah. So the Reaper set in, and like that was a really moving uh, cutscene. Yeah, I I thought it was great. In fact, I I think it was I don't know maybe it was a set piece that was like so well done and so like cinematically uh, crafted that some other events in the game were almost like fell short just in comparison to that. <laughs> quite frankly, like I was almost expecting uh, just a more I don't know like I said cinematic uh, approach to some of the other some of the other events in the game that would would stack up to that beginning. I, I think that's very interesting because. I... Like I said before, a lot of people have said Mass Effect 2 is like, yeah, Mass Effect 2 still has still has that punch. And I'm going to have to agree that Mass Effect 3, I, I think personally for me, is much more interesting than Mass Effect 2. Because even though it was very exciting, they had, the developers obviously had to get you hooked right back into the game. With number 3, I, I thought there was so much more weight Yes. In, the be- in the beginning, I would say, yeah, when that little boy got onto the space cruiser al- along with everybody else and just watching him along with everybody else just get blown up by the Reapers, I was just like, so this is what the game's going to be. Shit just got real. Oh, man. It's it's really intense. And uh, let me say this, too. I, I think one of the reasons that I still find the Mass Effect 2 opening um, so well-crafted is I think it was a really unique way for them to open a game that could be uh, an entry point for some people who hadn't played the first game because of its success. And giving them an opportunity to uh, customize their character, for instance, and to like actually explain that instead of just, oh, well, I, I can just customize my character. That's just how this game is. Like To actually have a backstory like why that is possible, like their Cerberus is rebuilding you, that's just really cool to me. Like I, That's just really well thought out, and it, and it it's to Bioware's credit that they really thought of this as a three-game series and had the foresight to like really plan out how your story is going to be affected by your choices. What, what did you want to add, Michael? I'm sorry. I was just saying, uh, Josh was talking about new players coming in at the beginning of Mass Effect 2, and you know that was anybody who picked it up on PS3. Uh, the first game was published by Microsoft Game Studios, so anybody playing on PS3 didn't get that first game. They just had to jump in with Mass Effect 2 and that little... like. 15-minute interactive comic. I, I actually didn't know about that. So they actually had a they actually had a comic for those PS3 or just new people who are new to the game, uh, new to the series. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it was content yeah, on the PS3 disc. Oh. Yeah, on PS3, uh, I noticed not too long ago that it appears to be available um, on PC now. Also, it's called Genesis, and it's just like a 10 to 15 minute little interactive comic that lets you do some of the really big decisions from mass effect one i had no idea that that existed either because i i oh, yeah. do the first one on on xbox so I, it was kind of a seamless transition for me but that's very interesting awesome. that that's really cool now it was a good conceit for you know for it was ea and it was ps3's first mass effect foray <laughs> so. right yeah ea bought bioware basically just as the first game was coming out so they never got the rights to that one so they just had to do something you know, a little different to try and get the PS3 players into it and understanding a little bit of the backstory. Uh, okay, makes much more sense. Wow. Anyway, sorry, sirens going off around my neighborhood. Shit's always, <laughs> shit's always, yeah, shit's always going down. Uh, in terms of <laughs> another another merge nerd just finished Mass Effect Three. So. <laughs> oh, that's what happened. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
Great. So, going with uh, along with what Josh was just saying about uh, you know, the difference between Mass Effect beginning of Mass Effect Two and Mass Effect Three because they both, I mean, they all start out with kind of a bang. I think Mass Effect Two, in some regards, has that bigger shock value. I mean, it does something that you the last it does the last thing you expect it to do. You know, and that yeah. it kills your main character, and it's very shocking. You don't know who survived. I mean, you find out eventually that uh, you know. Navigator Presley died, and yeah. I mean, if you and it's especially touching after that intro, if you got the uh, the Normandy crash DLC because you got to read some notes from Navigator Presley about how initially he didn't like the aliens on the ship, and then he started to really love his crew, and then Navigator Presley dies, and that was really touching, and you know, and and it, it is it was it's weird to see. I mean, that ship is like watching the Starship Enterprise explode. You know, if you're if you've been watching Star Trek, it was shocking, but Two, I mean, three, I think had more of an emotional effect because we've waited the entire game to see Earth. I mean, everything we've seen in the galaxy has been so alien, and Earth was still pretty recognizable. I'm like, where you start out on Earth in the beginning of the game yeah. is pretty futuristic because there's a lot of military and whatnot, but it's like for the first time you see something that feels like very recognizable. So to see Earth get destroyed. Yeah. It, it it felt very close to you, and they and I agree with Josh. That scene of that kid, you know, who you earlier tried to save, get exploded in that Kodiak, it touched me too. I mean, it touched me twice because I played that demo, and I was like, oh my god. And then I got the game and played it with my actual character, and I was like, oh my god, it got me again. So I mean, that was very touching, and like it was much more extended. The beginning of Mass Effect Two, it, it was. I thought the beginning at the very, very beginning wasn't super strong about the conversation about Shepard. What are we gonna do? The Reapers are coming, and he's like, "We gotta stick together." It's like that's what you got, Shepard. You know. Yeah. But it, it was very effective. It's also it introduced how cinematic the game was gonna be. It was very, it's very cinematic the whole game. Mm-hmm. And I had a moment. I don't know if everybody else had this moment because I wasn't sure if it was scripted or not. But right before the the Normandy picks you up at the end of that sequence, I'm shooting a bunch of husks, and they just keep coming, keep coming. And I ran completely out of ammo. And right about the moment where I was going to vault over cover and just run up and start mailing husks, the Normandy pops up out of nowhere, fires its Stanix cannons, and shoots these Reapers. I'm like, right in the nick of time, the Normandy just saved my ass. And that was just, it was amazing. Yeah, Chris, that's scripted. You're supposed I, to run out of ammo. Yeah, I mean, I assumed. But it didn't feel like this was just a moment where the game just wanted me to run out of ammo. It was very effective and yeah. Uh, there so, wasn't really anything like that in two. I I mean, there were they didn't have moments like that in two. It's especially so. noticeable if you're using a lot of biotic powers instead of ammo, because they just it you takes know, a really long time coming and coming <laughs> and coming, and you're like, really? How long does it take the Normandy to get here? I mean, they're just on the other side of the city, basically. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that because I was a soldier. So, and most of my, even though I started out at level 30, most of my abilities just kind of enhance my attacking. I didn't even think about it. If you were a biotic, how long that might actually take. (laughs) Now, when you're talking about, we're talking about the weight, especially, uh, I don't want to like jump way to the end, but there were like, there was a few moments, especially near the end, like when you were talking to your comrades about, you know, this has like been a journey, and they talk about not coming back. And there was a few moments, especially with who I romance, like uh, my romance was with uh, Ashley. The conversation between her and Shepard really got me, and it's just like I had that oh shit moment. It's like, man, I actually may not be coming back from this mission. 
this kind of sucks. <laughs> it, it was one of those moments that I actually had to sit back and think about it for a moment just because this was going to be my last mission. And overall, like this was going to be, you know, a conclusion to, you know, what I consider to be a really great trilogy. So it, it was definitely bittersweet. And I, I noticed that throughout most of throughout most of the game that the dialogue between these characters is very well written. I mean, it's always been well written, but especially in this one, they definitely hit the uh, emotional, uh, I guess, the emotional aspect of this game. Would you guys agree? Yeah, and going, I mean, not jumping to the end, but going with what you were saying there, uh, they do a really good job of making you feel like you could die. Like, the game have really set up this aspect of Shepard may not come back. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, you know, the endings kind of address that, too. Oh, they definitely do. I mean, I, I would I would think it'd be kind of a little bit count. It would be counterintuitive or countermining the fact that throughout the entire game, a lot of, you know, a lot of sacrificing is going. Yeah, there's a lot of sacrificing going on in this game. And it's like, I'm not immune to that at all. And it's like, well, you know, I'm Shepard, you know. I'm just a dude, so why would I be immune to be, you know, sacrificing? I mean, every mission, it always seems like someone's making some kind of sacrifice, and that was a, it wasn't kind of like thrown in your face, you know, very blatant, very kind of like dumbfounding. It, it presented to you in a way that, like, this could definitely happen to you, and you're at that point in the game, near the end, you're just like, yep, this is going to happen. And uh, especially since you could die too. Yeah, I knew you could die in three. I never experienced that ending in two, but well, you have to be really, really cool. <laughs> Where not to get ahead of ourselves, it looks like almost every ending in three you die. Yeah, that that's that's the that's the hint. That that's the gesture at least, or unless unless you uh acquire is it is it acquire a certain amount of EMS? Is it is it effective military strategy? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I can explain it later. Yeah, it, it, it's your effective your effective military military strength has effect. And speaking of that, the multiplayer has an impact in that too. And you know, let's get on, get onto that. What do you guys feel about the multiplayer being integrated into the single player campaign? Let's start with uh, Ben Teed. Have you tried out the multiplayer, sir? You know what? I haven't at all. Oh, bummer. No, I know. I just, I just, uh, th there hasn't been a single chance for me to to get on multiplayer, but. Um, how, how, I mean, when I first heard about it, I could say that, you know, so long as it's uh, an effective way for me to sit down and enjoy, you know, what's going on and, and it really makes me care about um, making things happen for for my own personal story, then, I, then, I, then I'm for it. You know, I, I, I'm really looking forward to trying it, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to hear what you guys thought about the multiplayer because I actually haven't given it, haven't given it a shot yet. Now, Michael, I know you. I know you've been. Uh, you just started recently playing the multiplayer. So, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I actually for the first time jumped into the multiplayer last night, and then spent uh, a chunk of time this afternoon playing it. And I haven't really been a big multiplayer gamer since probably high school, and maybe a little bit after that with uh, the Halo series. Yeah, you're almost never online um, at all playing. Yeah, online uh, games. when I'm online, I mean, I I keep an Xbox Live subscription. But mostly, I keep it so I can use things like Netflix um, <laughs> more than I get, more than I use it for any actual online gaming. But um, 
th- this multiplayer actually reminds me in some good in some really good ways of Halo. Like a, and like a... as, as far as actually integrating it into um, the single player and how it affects you know your military strength in the single player, uh, for the most part, I'm okay with it. I'm not too fond of the idea that the uh, quote unquote presumed best ending requires that your galactic readiness rating be at a certain point so that your total military strength and effective military strength are high enough to get to that ending. Yeah. But I think at at the very least, if they were going to add multiplayer to this game at, or to this trilogy at any time, this was the right time to do it and they did it the right way by making sure that it actually reflected what was going on in your game, like in the actual universe being, you know, part of the war yeah. effort. You know, I agree with you on that because well, I, I'll agree with you on the, on, on the sense that, um, you know, that I don't really care for that idea of, you know, for the best ending or something like that. Cause honestly, when I'm playing the game and it's not made very clear to me what the whole, um, galactic readiness stuff was about and i never saw it change so i never thought it was necessary to even worry about i just and even though it was explained to me more than halfway through the game what exactly was going on with michael coming over and telling me what's going on with it honestly i didn't care even when he told me i'm like whatever like i'm just gonna play the game how i want to play it i'm gonna have the reactions i want to have and it's ultimately going to be my story that i get to have and that includes that ending now we'll get to that here in a second but or in a little bit but um but yeah i mean I I agree with him saying like you know that's kind of lame if they're if they're saying but it's also but I gotta say it's also a, a little bit of a marketing tool because you're gonna they're gonna get word of mouth hey did you play the multiplayer you know that that's just the 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 ideal for them is to integrate everything they can in order to get people to play all modes of their games and to get people talking about the game and get people to to uh, speculate about what's happening or what the ending is or such and such. So I'm assuming that that's the tool that they're trying to use, which is ultimately sad and kind of takes away a little bit of the art and stuff. That's a whole other discussion, though, but I don't know if we want to get into that. But still, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming that's why things were done the way they were. If, if we were to try to explain that, I don't know. Uh, that's my guess. But honestly, yeah, I, I think uh, Michael, when he says I don't really care for how it's integrated into multiplayer. So. No, you, know, uh, I, you know, I actually read that, I, I think, Michael, you said this too, that you can, based on some past decisions in the game, you can actually, or in the past few games, including the third game, you can actually get through all of the game and get the quote-unquote perfect ending, ending, and we can discuss whether we even think that's the perfect ending. Um, I heard you can do it. It wasn't yeah. possible for me. I would have had to actually, I did every single side quest in three, and did everything I could to get my effective military strength up, I would have had to play multiplayer to get that ending. But, you know, at the end of the day, I was fine with what happened for me. And uh, I actually like that you have to do a lot of things to get a perfect ending. Like, it shouldn't be easy to get that ending. True. You know what I mean? I, I mean, right. it's a struggle. I, de- I definitely agree there. A like, lot of people died, uh, people I care about. And I'm like, a game... like. It, nothing would mean anything if somebody didn't die because then I would never, you know, if, if I get through it and it's like, a, I, I love Indiana Jones, but in Indiana Jones, none of your characters, none of your main characters are ever going to die, you know? Exactly. And that's fine for that, but in a Mass Effect, somebody's got to die for it to have that emotional weight for you to have that feeling that somebody else could die too. Now, Josh, I know with your big uh, shooter background, and I know if you uh, played uh, some of the multiplayer, what... 
What do you think of the multiplayer as on its own, and compared to other multiplayers that you have played? Like, what what what's your take on this? I you know I saw the I drew the biggest comparison to something like I think Gears of War, just because it's a third person cover shooter. Um, it it relied a lot on something similar to Horde mode. If you if uh, you guys have played the Gears of War multiplayer, where you know just just kind of uh, waves of, of Reapers and uh, Cerberus uh, coming at you, and you just the goal is basically just to survive for as long as you can. Um, it's fun, but I don't know. I mean, it was it was kind of okay for me, just because I I didn't really find the core gameplay, the the third person um, shooting gameplay, to be like at the top of its class. I think it was is very well done and uh, and well executed for for the Mass Effect game that it is. You know, for the I guess the you know the fact that this game just blends so many genres so well. It's not like this this game. I would classify it as a third person shooter. So for that reason, I think it's it serves its purpose quite well. But to just take everything else out of it and just stand that gameplay on its own, I don't think it's something that I would play for any extended period of time. Yeah, that, I'm I'm with you on that one. And also, my only beef with uh, the multiplayer is that in some ways. The only reason why I play the multiplayer is to get my galactic readiness up. That's pretty much the only reason why I played in the first place, just because, oh, it's part of this campaign mode, and if you, if you really like, I'm all about somebody who wants to like do everything, get it done. Like, you know, I've done everything possible in this game that has been thrown at me, so I'm gonna do it anyway. I was too with my galactic readiness it was at 50 percent throughout most the entire game and like chris i had done every single side mission that was ever that i ever came across and we'll talk about the side missions too later on uh, i have a little nitpicking about that but i've done every single side mission that was possible in this game and i think i had accumulated just over three thousand. i'm not i don't i'm not chris do you remember your number your total before you beefed it up by any chance? Um, my effective military strength, or not, yeah, my effective military strength. Yeah. I think uh, was at like thirty five hundred. I yeah. looked at the brackets of what you needed to get the best or the so called perfect ending, and I is I I would have been I would have had to be be one bracket higher to get that. But uh, yeah, it was like thirty five hundred. I think the highest you could get was like just over five thousand something. See, when I when I beefed up my galactic readiness up to 100%, I went back in the single-player campaign, went into the war room and to check on it, and it was about just over 6,000. And I was just like, holy crap, That's that plays a huge part. I mean, that's... So how much did you have to play a multiplayer to get that? I went up to 100%. No, I mean, how, how, like, how many hours of multiplayer did you have to play to do that? Oh, sorry. Not that many. I mean, I, I played, like, maybe, like, if you consider a lot, like, maybe four to five. Because, you know, I was digging... I was kind of digging the horde mode, but... After a while, it just wore off, and I just... And you got your effective military strength up to 100? Yeah, I got it to 100%, oh. and... Well, that's it... not that bad. No, it's not that bad. But here's the thing. like, Now, I know the internet is very accessible nowadays, but what about those who really want to achieve that perfect ending, but yet can't do the multiplayer online? Now, that would definitely dampen their experience. So I took that consideration, even though I never had that problem, but... Just thinking it onto a marketing standpoint, it's just like that doesn't make sense to me because you can hinder someone's experience for wanting well, that. I, I think it's the opposite. I think from a marketing standpoint, that does make sense because okay. you're, trying to, you're trying to sell more uh, Microsoft Gold memberships, you know, from from Microsoft's standpoint. And it's I cross promotional. I think 
I, I think that this was a publisher decision rather than Bioware's decision. It had to be, I think. I don't think personally that Bioware would have would have set out to make Mass Effect 3 and complete this universe and said, we have to put multiplayer in this game. I think personally that that was an EA decision, and they said, Bioware, you figure out how best to implement this, but we need multiplayer in this game because look at all the sales that Call of Duty's doing and <laughs> the other multiplayer shooters, and why not put that in there? You know what I, I mean? What do you guys think about that? I think it was a little of both. Um, because Bioware Montreal had started working on a separate first-person shooter that was going to be multiplayer-focused back in 2010. And it was they, their working title was Mass Effect Team Assault. I did hear about that. Yeah, so they were already working on a multiplayer, you know, a separate game. The idea was probably to release it as a downloadable title. The comparisons were to Unreal Tournament and Battlefield 1943 and Game Style. Uh, There's video footage available um, from one of the prototype versions of, you know, people running around as different species from the game, Uh, you know, Krogan, Turian, Asari, whatever, and getting into some of the various vehicles like Makos or gunships. Supposedly, at least uh, according to journalist Jeff Kiley, who did a story called The Final Hours of Mass Effect 3, um, according to him, it was Bioware that decided to fold it into Mass Effect 3 and cancel it as a separate. But I wouldn't be surprised if there was some input from EA there as well. I think Bioware wanted to do it and EA enabled them. Is basically how how I would read that situation. I mean, if you're going to believe in the words uh, of the the creative director, which, I mean, you have to assume that he's telling the truth. He says it's something they've always considered since the first game. And I think this is just the time they finally got around to it. And EA wasn't going to say no. And yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem believing it. it was, it's, it's what Bioware wanted. I think it, EA just said, yeah, why the hell not? <laughs> <laughs> just go for it. Oh. We're not going right. to stop I mean, you. As, as far as EA would be concerned, it'd be a win-win. I mean, you'd further monetize the game beyond, you know, just its initial street date and people buying it off the shelf later on because you've got, you know, those little packs that you can buy with weapons and mods and new species to unlock you, know, you can play you can pay for those with your in-game credits that you earn from completing multiplayer matches or you can use actual xbox live points to buy them there's, there's so and many I've decisions doing that that they made in the mass effect games as far as gameplay and everything that so many people think is all ea doing but honestly, at the end of the day, Bioware needs to make some money too. And if they do things that make it more marketable, that make it more appealing to a wider demographic, sure. you know, that's good for them too. And I, and I have I, I I believe that even if EA never bought Bioware, Bioware would have stayed made pretty much the same decisions that they made. Speaking I, of speaking of a marketing, uh, not to cut you off, Chris. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm done. Oh, okay, good. Sorry. I'm done. I'm leaving now. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Chris. Bye, man. It was nice chatting with you. Were, were a lot of people upset about the DLC being uh, available upon release of Mass Effect 3? The, like, when... Oh. Do you the... want me to go on my rant about how people need to chill the hell out about that? Dude, I would like your opinion because I've heard... I've heard so many... Here's wa- the thing. Okay, I, go I, on. I, you I do will, your thing, I man. Will confront, I will confront the gamer's perspective, and I will confront the the developer's perspective. Okay, you go ahead, I, man. I can totally understand why it is, why you may feel it's anti-consumer. I, I totally understand that. You know, you feel like when you buy a disc, everything that every piece of content that's on there, every piece of code, you have the right to. 
But you know what? You don't have the rights. You don't. When you buy a movie, a DVD, anything on a disc, you know, it's explicitly stated that you do not own the rights. You don't, you can't copy it. You don't own the rights to anything. And I don't care if it's on the disc. Bioware and EA have every right to charge you any amount of money for any piece of content they want to charge you for on there. Just because it's there doesn't mean that because you spent the $60 means that you have access to it. Also, to go with that, it's actually very pro-consumer the fact that the content was on the disc because all you got to do instead of and if it is on the disc, which I don't know if From Ashes was really on the disc. I don't think it was. I seem to recall actually having a download when I used my code on day one. It they, they made it very clear what it was. That was premium DLC that you could pay extra for, and it was available in the limited edition. The idea was if you spend a little extra money, you get all these extras, you get a little extra content that's not in the standard edition. Bioware has every right to do that, and you have every right to decide if you want to spend that money or not spend that money. At the end of the day, everybody who complained about it spent the money. I'm sure there's very few people who said, I'm not going to spend that money, and they didn't spend it, and they stood by their guns. If you're upset about something, don't buy it. Don't do that. You know, I'm upset about what such and such person did to Star Wars in the Blu-ray. That's why I didn't buy it. You know, I'm a certain someone. I certain I'm not going to say this name that shall not be said. Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) No, like I I made that decision as a consumer that I I didn't like what was done there. I haven't liked what's been what's happened to these movies since since the late 90s. So I'm just not paying the money anymore. You know, you you can nerd rage all day about it. But if you spend the money, that doesn't that's not telling the developer that you don't want that. If you spend the money, then all you're communicating is that they should keep doing that. And that's what they're going to keep doing. You know, and some people complained about the online pass. You know, when you buy a pre-owned game, why can't you? And this is slightly aside, but, you know, I shouldn't have to spend extra money to play multiplayer. You shouldn't be able to buy a used game and spend absolutely no money that goes to develop that money doesn't go to developer at all and you're using their servers to play their games online the developer has right to ask you for some money or restrict it from you if you haven't spent any money on the content i mean end of the day it is a business that's what it is i mean they have to make money it's not just a money thing either it was i mean you could you could probably you know some content you know, some day one content really, I mean, sometimes it's a promotional thing. Sometimes it's a marketing thing. But there has been content that has come out shortly after a release of a game. And it's looked very fishy. But sometimes it's not there because it just couldn't fit in, you know, in what's available in the available space. Or, or it just couldn't, they couldn't get it on the disc. Or, or it didn't, they couldn't finish and wrap it up into, into the content. They had to release things later. That's uh, a case with the From Ashes DLC and the uh, squad member that you get there because he was originally planned for the game, but they had to cut him out due to uh, time constraints. Which character was that? The Prothean, Javik. Oh, okay. I've heard very little about that. but Yeah, and uh, having played with him and just kind of randomly taken him on a couple of missions, uh, for example, I cannot imagine playing through... uh, uh, mission on Thessia, the Asari homeworld, without him. Oh, really? Really. Oh, yeah. I had him in my party on that mission. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 and that's what I'm saying. When I, when I say I can totally get the rage and the anger over it, I just can't stand the entitlement aspect that people have. Ben also has um, something to say. 
No, yeah. yeah I'm, just, I'm just trying to remember what I was going to say to piggyback off you. Oh, yeah. To, to go along with what you said earlier about how, you know, you, you get you get every right to say what you want and stuff like that. You got every right to pay to vote with your wallet and stuff. Um, that doesn't mean that uh, your version and your you, what you want doesn't still exist. You know, you're still able to play what you want the way you can. Now, I know you may be shorted content, but if there's content that they added on, like like take for exist take for example the ending. Let's say I like the ending to the game. And now I hear that they're coming out with DLC that changes the end of the game. The true, the true, supposed true ending? Yeah. The true ending or whatever? You know what? I, my version's still there. Like, it still exists. I can put it in my disc and I can watch it over again, too. Like, it, 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 you know, just, yeah. Just, and if you like the ending, just the, the, just because that DLC might exist doesn't mean that it ruins your ending. I don't. I have no say on it. <laughs> so I just thought people just should stop whining that's that was just my opinion because i just heard so it's, much over it it's just the, it's just consumers i mean at the end of the day you spend money on things you start to feel entitled it doesn't matter what it is like well the thing is what to me like i i just purchased uh layer of the shadow broker and arrival today even though i jumped from mass effect 2 to mass effect 3 without playing those there i got some hint that i did miss some information but i was never totally like oh my god you know I was dumbfounded. Like I did think it was terrible that I missed out on this information, but I mean, it's there for my choosing. I mean, you can choose to buy it if you want. If you don't want to, then don't. But I don't see why people are complaining. But even as a consumer, I'm just like, just get over it. Just stop. I mean, plus by then I was just like, I've heard so much about the ending at the time, and I was just like, I'm just so fucking overwhelmed about all this whining, complaining. So that was that was just me. Let's get uh, into the game proper here. Game mechanics, the gameplay elements. Thinking back from Mass Effect 1, going to Mass Effect 2 to Mass Effect 3, is it safe to say that the gameplay has imp- improved significantly? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Huge evolution. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I can't play Mass Effect 1 anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's come down to. Is it that bad? Is that is it? It's that bad for you, Chris? It's that bad for me. Like, it, I, it, I mean, the, the game. I mean, you don't have. If I had the option to not fight, then maybe. Like, but. Oh, okay. I mean, in a game where you're forced to fight, at that, at that, where Mass Effect One is, I just can't enjoy that combat. Really? It's not nearly as good as it's Two inc- and Three. It's incredibly lackluster. <laughs> I agree with Chris. I even thought that at the time. When I was playing, it, I'm like, man, eh, this combat is not very fun, but I'm just going to get through it. You but got I... over it. I mean, yeah. But yeah. now it's it's kind of like, you know, I, I eat this shitty candy, but, you know, it's all the candy I have. <laughs> so I eat it. But once you, as soon as you taste better candy, why would you go back to the older candy? Right. The premium quality. Yeah, I, I, I... Not the gameplay in Mass Effect 1 was shitty. Well, I mean, some of it was. <laughs> but... You know, it was just enough that the uh, the only thing that got me through that game, not to say it's a bad game, I think it's an excellent game. The story and the atmosphere and everything got me through that game. Okay, I, 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 right. I it's, it's everything else that makes the uh, that makes the combat worth working your way through. The sum total of that game. Yeah, I have to admit the uh, especially uh, weapon selection, how it pretty much took up the entire screen. Like what? Because I play I play all my games on the PC, and I wasn't sure if it's the same for you guys, but 
in Mass Effect 1, all your weapons for you and your party was just pretty much took up the whole fucking screen. And I'm just like... Is the UI a- in the Xbox ver- or the 360 version of Mass Effect 1 is, more- is worse than the PC. Is it really? Oh, it's... Yeah, the UI is pretty bad too, uh, especially that inventory yeah. system. You, there's no good way to look at your weapons, and like it's like there's so much loot in the game that you pick up like 50 versions of the same assault rifle, and you have to scroll through them all to find out, okay, what do I want to sell? What do I want to turn into Omni Gel? It gets to the point where you're like, I don't want to sell things anymore. I'm just gonna turn everything into Omni Gel. That's what I did. <laughs> a lot exactly of people were, I were. I mean, I really liked. I thought they kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater into when they just completely stripped it. I was happy that I didn't have to deal with that anymore. But I think they addressed it three and brought back some of what was good about one about being able to modify your guns and stuff, which it's it's an option. You could do it or you could not do it. I I definitely spent some time figuring out. Okay, what's the best loadout loadout for me? What should I put a scope on? What should I put you know an extender on and Mass Effect 3 got it right, and 2 just kind of took it out. It was still better than 1. It, it took it took 3 games to get that happy medium in there with as far as loot, combination of loot and customization. Yeah, the uh, customizing factor in 2 just was completely... Was it completely void at that? Or... It was gone. All, you, yeah. all there was is you picked up different versions of some guns. You, you couldn't really customize your guns, but in 3 they kind of... A lot of people call it DRPGification or whatever you want to call it. You know, yeah. it, they took instead of doing the RPG ass route of it, you know, they took kind of you know more of like the Call of Duty route, which is really kind of inspired by the RPGs as far as customization of guns, where you just you look at your gun and you you got slots, you can put stuff there, and it's simple, and there's actually quite a bit of depth to it. You don't need five different versions of the same assault rifle, right. which there were different versions of each gun. And three, but you had the option. Like, you could update whichever guns you wanted to update. Yeah, exactly. Do that, which I really I appreciated that pretty much every single bit of the depth, for the most part, except for the different types of ammunition, was there that was in one. It's just integrated in three better. Yeah, I like the fact that whenever... Well, no, the ammo types are there. They integrated it into your power. Oh, that's right, that's right. That's yeah. right. See, what I liked about that custom- customizing factor was that no matter which weapon you upgraded... That weapon, that was the weapon you would use, you as Shepard and your crew. So it wasn't just like you had to have. Oh, you have have three different scopes for three different guns. Yeah, exactly. It was just so annoying. It it just automatically applied, and it was like, oh, life is so much easier. It's yeah. just glorious when I play this game. Now, one thing I know what Mass Effect is primarily known for is it's basically its narrative and your choices. And those cha- uh, and those choices carry on from one to two and two to three. How many of you had your Mass Effect one two? To three. Well, one. Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, basically, from one to three. How many of you had your all your characters from Mass Effect two into three? I'm kind of curious about that. Imported them from two to three. Yeah. Like how? Like from your suicide mission. Like especially those oh, characters. Because yeah. I know for a fact when I survive, all my crew members survived the suicide mission number two, and I'm very happy that because. Some of the missions uh, that I went on, like the side missions, I got to meet up with them again. And those side missions were like missions. Like, it, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, like it's like their loyalty missions part two, kind of. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly... It, I, it really is. Like, And uh, it makes you wonder, I mean, I, I guess what I'm wondering is, did, I mean, who had characters die and did any of those? I guess you wouldn't even know if there were those missions. 
I guess what I'm wondering is if when you go to Grissom Academy, like who's there instead of Jack? Is what I want to know. Like there, most of those missions uh, have some sort of stand-in. Like um, if Rex died, for example, when you go to Ch- Tuchanka, and before that, when you're meeting with the Turian uh, Primarch and the Krogan clan uh-huh. leader, it's his, it's uh, Rex's brother, brother uh, Reeve. Oh. Yeah. Um, if you if Morden is oh, dead, three also. Yeah, if Morden is dead, then the scientist in charge of the STG base, uh, Padon Wicks, I think was his name, he ends up coming onto your ship to work on the Genophage cure. So they, they do have some stand-ins. I'm just, I, just out of curiosity, just from your own experiences, did everybody have their um, character survive from number two to three? Nope. <laughs> oh, what was your, I, uh, what was your experience uh, like, Josh? The only uh, character that survived was Liara for me. The only one? Uh, no, no, no. Morden, Morden survived as well. Morden survived as well. Wow. Yep. Oh yeah, that's because you you had to do that that really quick playthrough so you could get the three. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I'd played through two like that was like my second playthrough on two. Um, I'd had a save that just got corrupted or something like that, and so I had to just kind of quickly go back through it. And I'd, I'd already done a lot of the loyalty missions, and I didn't really want to replay them. So uh, yeah, so I definitely had a lot of characters die, and I <laughs> obviously it affected my Mass Effect three game quite a bit. So I had quite a different experience. Good. I, I would be really. I mean, I heard about the placeholder characters, but I would be really upset if they're just another skinned character. You know, if it's just the same thing but with just a different skin, and they say the same thing. That's right. basically what uh, the Legion stand-in is. It's oh. some Geth virtual intelligence. Oh. See, I was really wondering about Legion. He was so important to what I did on Rannoch that I just couldn't understand how I could do that without Legion. Yeah, you get some... Yeah, and it's it's literally referred to throughout the whole time. I mean, I haven't done it myself. I've read this online, but it's it more uh, Legion stand-in is referred to the whole time as Geth VI. He doesn't even... It doesn't even get a name of its own. Oh. Yep, I, I had that experience because I, I never activated Legion either. <laughs> Uh, did you sell them? Did you sell them to Cerberus, or did you just leave them behind? I just left them. <laughs> I guess I I heard that um I don't I I heard that um if you did sell or give up Legion to Cerberus, then three you actually you don't fight him like a boss fight or anything. But I heard that there's a point in the game that when you're fighting the Geth, you will see the name of that Geth, like you know how over their health bar you see their name like Geth Prime yeah. or whatever. I heard at some point you will see one that says Legion. Yeah, wow. I read about that. Uh, there's a similar thing with Morinth, where if you recruit her instead of Samara, she shows up um, as a reaperfied version of herself on Earth. And oh yeah, I, there's a uh, my second playthrough. Something I that happens Morinth. to Jack that uh, turn. I don't remember what would have ha- had to happen with her, but uh, she can end up becoming a phantom for Cerberus, and <laughs> she she screams out her little. Uh, Mass Effect 2 trademark, I will destroy you when you're fighting her. <laughs> oh, wow. that's This kind of makes me sad. That, that's heavy. That, yeah. It, I just now, I just can't imagine not having any of those characters involved in my experience because every single one of them, I just absolutely enjoyed. And especially uh, Morden. There uh, was so much entertainment from Morden and Rex that it, anybody who didn't get Morden and Rex, like, I feel sorry for you because they really upped the humor with, with Rex. Like, there were lines that he said that made me laugh out loud. Very few games can make me laugh out loud. Chris, like, I haven't like, seen Rex since the first game. 
I, that sucks for you. I mean, he's not he's not a big character in two. He's not important in two. You oh, just yeah. when you go to Tachanka, he's the one who's there. You have a conversation. And that's it. Two, but three. He's the he's the Krogan on your ship, and it's his interaction with 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 Morden and with the female Krogan is priceless. I, and the way he deals with Salarians. So who, uh, Ben, who else has uh, died for you by the time Mass Effect Three rolls around? Uh, the only one I can, the only ones I can think of is Kaiden and and Rex, and they were both in the first game. Okay. No, I so should. You, so everybody else survived from the yeah I suicide made, mission. For I you. made I made sure to go back and replay it because I actually when I when I first played Mass Effect Two again I didn't I avoided all spoilers I didn't really see much. Um, what ended up happening was um, the first time I played. Wow. The time. I'm just kidding. Um, the first time was uh, um, like Thane died and a couple others. Um, and then uh, the second time where I played it, I was a little bit smart about it, and I and I knew which ones needed to go where, which is kind of cheap. I don't know. In my yeah, opinion, I feel like you can really think that through. Yeah, like I didn't need. To, I, I didn't have to read anything to know what to do. I just it made yeah. sense to me who to send where. Yeah, it made sense for me when, like, especially for like a leader group. Like uh, for who you want to run your uh, as like a group leader, I I immediately thought of Garrus and Miranda. So either one of those, I would imagine if they were put in charge, that no one would die. Uh, and like th- for like hacking, I knew that Legion would probably be the best because you know he's a guest and hacking was his forte. So I was just like, okay, you know, Legion seems like the perfect fit. No big deal. And then, like for the swarm, you know, it was pretty straightforward that you use Samara or whoever, or Morinth if you had her in your playthrough. It just felt like it was kind of a no-brainer when it came to setting up who's going to do what. So, in some ways, even though I'm happy I make it through the suicide mission alive, I mean, it, it's called a suicide mission for a reason. And the <laughs> fact, I yeah, the fact that I had my crew stay alive and I still thought it was kind of easy, it still makes me feel good. It's like because you know I win. Did you save the? You saved your team. Did you save your 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 crew members who were kidnapped? I saved Doctor Chakwas, and then there's I think the redhead Kelly. Kelly, did she live? She died. Okay, so if she died, then pretty much your crew died. Oh, that's good. Way is the way I understand it. That's oh. good. That, that, that's good. I killed off my Cerberus crew. Eh, who cares about them? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah. what really pissed me off about that is I, the game I, did a really good job of kind of letting you know without having to explicitly tell you that there are things you can do to you know keep your crew alive, loyalty missions, and decisions you make at the end. But the way you have to save your ship crew, like the fact that as soon as they're kidnapped, you have to go do that mission immediately. You don't have time to. Really. I heard that it's time sensitive, and that it depends on how many missions you do. If you what? do, oh. ba- basically at that point, if you've done everything else before the big, um, like no point of no return missions, then the only thing you should have left at that point is Legion's loyalty what? mission. So if you do that loyalty well, mission... And... That happens right after. But for me, they, were, they weren't kidnapped until after I did the Legion loyalty mission. Okay. But I had a bunch of side missions, and I did those, and yeah, then my crew was gone. Those you do. It's just it's upsetting because nothing, it, no point, there's no other point in the game where there's times. It, everything else is like, oh, something ex, is, you know, is exploding over here, but I'm going to go do these other things. And when you get there, 
it doesn't really matter how long it took you to get there. It's still going to be exactly the way it was. And that was the one thing in the game where you have to try and be expedient. And I hated that there was nothing that kind of let me know that it was a time-sensitive thing. Mm-hmm. Well, at least it meant your choices mattered. It, I like that it mattered. I just wish that there it, there had been a setup for, you know... I, I was going based off the game's rules. And the game's rules were that it didn't really matter how long it took me to do anything. You know, in the first Mass Effect, like, there is a get the Geth are attacking Pharaohs, but I went to Novaria and someplace else first. It seemed like, realistically, I would want to go to where the people were being attacked. And once you get there, even if it doesn't matter whether you go there first or last, the same thing happens. But this was one point in all the Mass Effect games where if you go other places first, it will have an effect. And I, I feel like it was a, the the game never set up that rule. That's like the only time I could think of where something was very time sensitive. Can, can That's I what I'm you? saying. Like I, I don't have I don't mind that it was time sensitive. In I fact, don't. I, I wish other things were time sensitive. I just bothered me that that was the one Chris. thing, and it did set me up. For huh? me, for me, I was gonna say when you said nothing else is time sensitive. I think I, for me, uh, meeting up with Miranda was time sensitive because by the time I got to the Citadel to meet up with her, she was gone. In three or two? In three. three. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. like when you get the when you get the email? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even check my email for like several missions because I was just kind of in the middle of some important and stuff. And she won't be doing. there if you wait too long. Uh, apparently not, because I looked exactly where she was supposed to be and she was yeah. not there. I and I ended up just really not even seeing her until you finally meet up with her, like where her dad's like going crazy. Yeah, that'll be oh, based yeah. on um, completion wow. priority missions, I believe. Okay. Otherwise, the Citadel stays pretty static in between the in between those priority missions. And Ben here, well, I wanted to ask you guys a question. Well, yeah, I got a real important question about this kind of stuff, and that's pertaining to the end of the game of the of the second game, and actually every single choice. Um, did you guys know uh, any of that stuff? Like when no. you guys were first playing, when you guys were first playing that second game, did you guys know anything about the the time sensitive stuff? Did you guys know anything about? How to the exact uh, ramifications on how to how to survive this the suicide mission? Did you guys know any of that stuff going in? No, for for me when it came to the time sensitive stuff, no, I didn't know I didn't know jack shit about it. So I, do you yeah. think that that might have been like a, a design flaw, or do you think that that's a good thing? Or do you, what do you, how do you guys feel about that? Like not being told anything on the screen I, like, anywhere. Like, like other I than said, other it doesn't have to be explicit. Other than look up huh? on the internet about how things are and how and like having to get it like a map from Game Informer to, to finish the ending and stuff like that, to, to get the entire crew to survive. Like, do you guys agree with that? Or do you, or not agree with it, but do you guys, I mean, like, what, what do you guys take on it? Because honestly, I think that's bad design. What it should be is just like, you, it, well, it's not bad design, I guess. I, I guess I should say is it shouldn't matter. You guys should just be able to play how you guys want. And if, and if it is a time-sensitive thing, they might do well to make it clear. Because I don't know if, if I didn't have the internet and I didn't have other people playing this game, I don't know if I ever would have figured that out. Give me a hint or set it up elsewhere is, is all I would have wanted. Like, sure, yeah. don't, you don't have to tell me explicitly in the game, like, you know, nothing has to pop up on the screen saying, if you do this, if you wait to do this, now something bad might happen. But there are other ways that the game... Like, like the other stuff, like, like you said, you didn't, you couldn't, you didn't really know that if you upgraded your ship, characters would live if you did that. And, and there were certain decisions you make at the very end that you could keep people alive. That stuff I managed to figure out on my own. There were some load screens that explicitly tell you sometimes. 
because <laughs> you spend a lot of time on load screen. So, and I, I guess part of that matters if you have it installed on your system on the Xbox because your load screens are longer if it's not installed. So I spent more time staring at load screens. Sometimes they told you like upgrade your ship, and there's a better chance that you know teammates will live at the end. But, uh, <laughs> I didn't know they it, did that. It did tell you on some load screens, but uh, oh, wow. even without that, I'm sure I would have figured out. I would have, you know, they said, you know, this is gonna be tough. Like you can, if you spend time talking to your characters on the ship, you can pretty much ask them, "How do you feel about the mission right now?" And they'll tell you how ready they feel. And it would be based on how much you'd upgraded your ship and and the loyalty missions. They would, you know, Jacob would be like, "We're as ready as we're ever gonna be, Shepard." Or I don't know, Shepard. I think a lot of us are gonna die. The game in game did a good job of telling you whether you could survive that mission, whether people would survive. But that time sensitive thing, there's there was no cue. There was nothing that led on to that for me. It's not a huge. It didn't ruin the game for me. I didn't write uh-huh. it. You know, I I didn't try and petition people to spend. You know, to to donate money to get. You know, Bioware to fix it in DLC. <laughs> you know, like they're doing now. Rage, just, Chris. Rage. Rage. You know, it's just we're reviewing, and that was just one little flaw. I mean, it's. it's Mass Effect 2 is a 9-5 game for me. Like that, I mean, and that doesn't take it down from a 10. It's, it's other things that take it down from a 10. But, that, I mean, that's one little thing. It was just, but it's glaring considering how well I thought the game did at letting me know that I should probably upgrade my ship. I, I should probably do these loyalty missions. The game did a good job of saying, like, you know, you want to make sure your characters are mentally prepared for this final mission. D- diverting from the Mass Effect 2 a little bit, or actually talk about it. In Mass Effect 2, we had a lot of planet scanning. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> now, and now from number when we go to number three, there was very little scanning, which was just finding <laughs> these just finding these anomaly signals. And that, you know, you basically scan the planets and whatever planet lit up, you know, you go investigate it. So it was much more, it was much, much easier. It was nice. It was nice because the planet scanning really got on my nerves. It really, I'm not sure about you it guys. It felt like the game stopped when you did that. Exactly. I think, I, I think that's the best way to put it because after a while, the planet scanning was like, eh. As boring as you think driving around in the Mako was in one, at least... It made sense in the context of the game. Yeah. You know, you could have that sort of Star Trek, I'm exploring, you know, the frontier sort of feeling. And two, what does me dragging a circle over a planet have to do with anything? <laughs> and I, why would Shepard be the one scanning anyways? Exactly. Why couldn't you do like an Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and like send somebody else to do it or something? It just made no sense to me. Um, like why I was just doing this, and I was so happy when I started playing three. I'm like, well, I'm still technically scanning, but like I'm not scanning planets. I'm just scan. I'm not scanning an individual planet. I'm scanning multiple planets, and if I get a signal, you know, I go check it out, and I get whatever it has in store for me. Whether it was finding another fleet for my military, or if it was some money, or just extra gas so I could go to another. No little cluster. That that to me was I was like, okay, I could deal with that. They found a happy medium with this mm-hmm. scanning and this planet traveling. Now, in Mass Effect One, you know, you were able to roam around on different planets. Did you guys miss that factor for Mass Effect Three? I was just gonna get into that. I was gonna ask you all, like, you know, remember back in the I was gonna take you back to what is it, two thousand seven or whatever, whenever uh, yeah, came out. Um I was thinner and there, the uh, the idea of exploring planets and and a lot, a lot, I remember a lot of the ads as the game was coming out were saying, 
you know, oh, you know, you'll be able to explore, you know, hundreds of planets and stuff. Like that. You'll be able to figure out where you want to go, and 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 almost kind of made me feel like, you know, the technology that's in that's in a Skyrim, you know, you're able or Fallout, you're able to just go and explore. I think there's a difference between being able to explore vast uh, amounts of land and having interesting things in it. Uh, we know we have the technology, but do you think that that might have been because that was kind of in my mind? I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be like. Not that Fallout 3 or, or Skyrim was out at that point, but I was thinking, oh, wow, like that's going to be fun to just go down onto a planet, go into some houses, find some old things, and kind of put pieces together myself. And so I, got, I know it's a more cinematic game than that, but um, I definitely think that it kind of lost that as the games went on. You, did, you definitely did more streamlined, uh, def, uh, definite things, whereas I kind of would have maybe appreciated more in, in terms of the game's theme that the ex- exploration would have made it maybe a little bit more interesting to me. Now, I'm sure it would have been a way more mellow, not as action-packed game once in a while, but, I mean, somehow Bethesda's able to captivate their audience with whatever they're doing in, in, in their long stretches of games and stuff like that. But again, I, I, you know, I'm just saying a what-if, like, because, you know, as, as time went on, it became more action-movie, shooter-oriented rather than an RPG, and I'm, I'm wondering if it would have been more interesting having the more explore exploration and using that to create a timely, like, let's move fast. Let's try to figure out and save earth, you know, cause you know, I wonder if that would have been more interesting. I don't know. My experience from just traveling from planet to planet in mass effect one, I got really annoyed with it because I, it gave me the impression that when I was collecting minerals or looking at these probes, you know, I got experience from them and that was pretty much it at the time because i didn't know i didn't know anything about what if i found um some was it matriarch writings or some prothean discs or something like that i had no idea if they would actually play an effect into the other games i mean it just all seemed like i was just collecting items just to collect items and that every time if there was like a side mission on a planet all the compounds seemed to look the same or were designed the same and it was they were yeah okay well okay 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 well it wasn't just me then that's when i was happy that when mass effect 2 came around i was happy that was gone because mass effect 1 did not entice me to continue venturing on to planet to planet and the mako too and by the way i thought driving the mako fucking sucked that's just me i hated that thing so much yeah the controls are pretty terrible uh i i gotta agree with you though i i don't I guess I have to precursor this with the fact that I, I don't usually gravitate to that style of gameplay um, anyway. Like, I, I kind of prefer the more cinematic games. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to say that, yeah. The direction that, uh, that you know, Mass Effect uh, ended up going and, and ended up in 3. Like, you know, I, I really, I can't even really get into the, the uh, Morrowind games now. I haven't played Skyrim. Supposedly that could change my opinion on there. I know I'm a terrible gamer for have, having not played that yet, but... <laughs> don't work. I haven't played it either. Okay, all right, great. Well, I mean, I still mean to do that just because of all the hype around it and everything, everybody's saying how great it is. So, I, you know, maybe it'll change my mind. But I just feel like it, it loses that weight for me when there's just such, you know, I didn't like Fallout for that reason just because it's just such a vast gameplay space and just so much to explore that I don't feel like the developer had time to really, I, I don't know, that the, they didn't really have the, the love and care to put into each individual element and really make it worth my time to explore things if that makes any sense like 
it's it's cool that they had the ambition to create such a huge world, but you know when you when you have a scope that big and you you were you're not setting a player path, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna feel as real, I guess. Because every time when I went on a side mission in Mass Effect One, I I had I was just like this is just boring, and I was very happy, like I was happy that in two they got rid of it, but I got planet scanning, and I was like okay whatever this is dumb and then in three it's like it's you don't really do any more exploring at all but you still have a little bit of plant scanning involved in in fact i'm actually kind of glad it's gone now because the whole focus that we that one and two have been building up into three i thought it made sense that like we didn't really do any of that anymore because i don't know for me personally i like the whole cinematic feel in number three because it actually brought more weight and a lot more tension to this uh, series, and it hit, it hit, pretty much hit every beat that I could think of. It just hit, it, it was, it hit the nail on the head. I, that's what I thought. Like every, every set piece, every primary mission, uh, like Tachanka, they've been talking about the Genophage since Mass Effect One, and the fact now you're in Mass Effect Three and you have the chance to either cure the Genif- uh, stop the Genophage or sabotage it, depending on if you're a renegade or not. I thought for me, I was like, holy shit, this is actually going to happen. I mean, there's all this talk about it, and now we've, we're in this moment. It's that's pretty cool. I'm not sure. I was just kind of geeking out for one, and that basically having a Reaper shoot down at you and everything just going pretty much haywire and. You have Reapers coming at you. I mean, that was like a really awesome set piece. I'm not sure about you guys, but I was adrenaline was pumping for me. I was just like, oh my god, this this is like the definition of badass. So I don't know. That's that was me. I what like what are your thoughts on uh, especially that mission to Chunka and getting the, the chance to cure the Genophage since it's been talked about a lot since Mass Effect One. What are your thoughts, Ben? Oh well, much like the rest of the game. I, you know, it's really exciting. It's really cool to be down there and stuff like that. Uh, you know, trying to trying to um, figure out the the genophage problem from what was it like? They had it. They had it in the first game, didn't they? Weren't they talking about it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, it had existed so, yeah. for thousands of years there's a, by that There's point. a bunch of stuff that's leading up that we knew they were gonna they were they were gonna um, address that in this particular title, but um, much like much like the rest of the game, um, it still has the kind of the same formula as the second one. I thought I thought the design for not just Tachanka but almost every planet was almost identical to the second game. And you know how they they they, they kind of made a big leap in that second game. You know, like I appreciated all the story elements and stuff like that. I, I thought it was really interesting. I, I just had some. I didn't have Rex. I had some weird. Uh, what was it Reeve? Yeah, Reeve, yeah. But um, who's basically a big jackass. Yeah, he was he was acting all silly, but again, I it just like you, you got to remember that you're trying to appease to all these different races, and you're trying to make them all see clearly why they need to help, and um, just doing that, just doing that mission, kind of, um, although it was a lot of fun, and I love that climactic, like crazy action going on with the with the uh, the giant worm, the thresher maw, thresher maw, yeah, and it was it was attacking and blowing stuff up. That was very exciting. Um, thing, but however, that I, I, it feels like that that mission, along with almost every other cinematic uh, scripted thing, which I realize they have to do, um, it was still very similar to stuff that I've seen in 
in two. Maybe not. Maybe not uh, quite. It was able to get bigger, but like there's a huge leap between one and two. And I, and I guess my expectations, you know, again, it's another reason why I don't try to hype it up too much. I, I guess I thought maybe that there was going to be a much bigger leap into how you decided uh, things and how you played it. And the, obviously the shooting was almost almost completely fixed. There's still some weird stuff with covering, with, with getting into cover, but yeah, <laughs> it was still really fun and, and, uh, and I really had a great time. Um, I guess I, I'll bring up how many people had um, Morden die. Did everyone have Morden die? Yeah. Three? Yeah, Mass Effect 3, yeah. I yeah. Don't, I don't know it, if it's possible for him to not die. Uh, Mike, Morden, Morden will always die. Yeah. If you allow him to cure the genophage. Okay. Question. Okay, now as far as people dying before the end of the game, I'm trying to figure out what was all scripted for everybody. Um, did, anybody, did everybody do that Rachni mission? Yeah. yeah. The did, did anybody have Grunt die? He will die um, if you did not complete his loyalty mission in Mass Effect 2. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, interesting. But if you if you completed it, he no. will live. Okay. Because, I, did, you know, I, I, I think the idea is basically that he understands oh, okay. what it means to be a real Krogan. So you you have that cutscene, then Josh, like you had that cutscene where... Like, it was actually pretty cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, kind of liked the fact that he died. I mean, he went out in like a hail of bullets. Like he just charged. It was and... that he charged towards that rack nine, jumped off the thing. Yeah. And then he yeah. just didn't come out after that. Yeah. Okay. See, I wondered if that was possible for him to die because I That's thought he was pretty... gonna die in my playthrough, and then he walks out. I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he okay? He he lit. Yeah, he lived through mine, and I thought he actually was going to die, and I was like. Oh man, that was that's kind of like a badass moment. It was like, yeah, it was like that's really cool. It was like, but like when he came out of it, out of it at the end, I, I was like, oh, so maybe this entire game won't be as depressing as it you know it seems, you know, but with <laughs> no, all the. I, I was afraid that was the game telling me because I hadn't had any moment really where anybody could die. And I was wondering if that was the game telling me that no one's gonna die. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. But then well, Mort died, and I'm like, okay, so it can happen. Yeah, there there is actually a way for Morden to live. What? Really? Yeah. What do uh, I have to do? <laughs> now, in in my first playthrough, um, I imported my the main shepherd that I've been keeping since Mass Effect One, who is more or less Paragon. Um, he does some renegade actions occasionally, but for the most part, he's Paragon. So, when it came to curing the Genophage onto Chanka. Uh, he had kept Malon's data from Mass Effect 2, and he allowed Morden to go and sacrifice himself and spread the cure over the planet. Uh, in my second playthrough that I imported um, in a Mass Effect 3, Rex was dead because this playthrough had started with Mass Effect 2, where that choice is made for you, that he dies on Vermeer. Uh-huh. That Shepard did not trust Reeve. She would not allow Morden to um, cure the genophage. But uh, Morden basically tells you that if the only way to stop him is to shoot him, which I did in the back. Uh, <laughs> oh. That which, sucks. Yeah, that was pretty hard to do because you get a cutscene of him crawling across the ground after he gets out of the elevator trying to reach the control console, and he almost makes it. He's like a foot away when he dies. So he. Now, but you to, still killed him. Yeah, I killed him oh. on that second playthrough. 
the way for him to actually live is uh, depends on a couple of the things that I've already mentioned. Um, if Rex is dead, if you did not save Malon's data from Mass Effect 2 when he was researching the genophage and trying to come up with a cure, um, if you didn't save that data, Eve will die. What? So there, the only the only like undisputed leader of the Krogan clans at that point will be Reeve. And you can convince Morden at that point, if Rex is dead and Eve is Eve is dead, you can convince him to let the sabotage stand and he will join. What the, what the uh, Solarian counselor wanted you to do. Yeah. And Morden will just end up going on to become a war asset for you instead of dying. Huh? So you can, I forgot that you had the option to not cure the genophage. I forgot about that. Yeah, it so, was, but, it's... but basically, if you had saved that data, or and you and you did cer certain circumstances where even if you make the choice that you don't want to cure the genophage, Morden will do it anyways. Yeah, um, you get if you tell him that you're not going to let him cure the genophage, but you know Rex or Eve is still alive. You know, just one of them has to still be alive. Um, if you tell him no, you're not going to let him he will tell you I'm going through with it because it's the right thing to do. The genophage was the right thing to do when we instituted it, but this is the right thing to do now for, you know, the, this new time. It's time to let the Krogan rebuild and prove themselves. And you get a renegade interrupt. Mm. And if you use the renegade interrupt, you shoot him in the back. Oh, wow. It, I, I did. I haven't seen video of not taking the renegade interrupt, but I assume he walks onto the elevator like normal. Yeah. It's just, huh. that, this is depressing. That, yeah, was, I didn't realize there were so many options for that. Because, uh, uh, like, I remember uh, you, uh, like, I, when you're in that car, multiple times you have the option to tell, you know, everybody that the Salarian Council wants you to, you know, sabotage the genophage cure. Mm -hmm. And, like, I remember the first time I was like, oh, this is, I want to tell them, but this is not a good time to tell them. And one time I actually clicked on it and something interrupted me. Like, me it too. Didn't, Same here. It didn't let me do it. Yeah. Huh? Too? Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. Here. Just trying to killing Morden. I was just like, I I don't think even if I played played as a renegade that I don't think I could ever do that just because I like that character so much. It's a good thing that they give the option to do. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't both. don't get. And, and doing one doesn't affect the other, because like I, I tried to play pure renegade through two, and I'm like, there's some things I'm just like, this is a complete dick move. I don't think <laughs> anybody would do this. Like, and that's yeah. why I couldn't even get I couldn't even get a a, a full bar in Renegade too because there's just some things where I'm just I accidentally did the Paragon thing I'm just like I don't know how you could do certain things like because to me when I think of Renegade I'm thinking like kind of like an anti-hero not a complete asshole I'm thinking Jack Bauer which is how I felt in oh. one when I did my Renegade run through I'm like this at first I thought this is gonna be weird then I played it I'm like oh I'm basically just Jack Bowering my way through the game okay. like. I'm like Jack Bauer in 24 is basically, I'm just like, no nonsense, get the fuck out of my way, I got shit to do. Where <laughs> two, there are some things that felt pure dag nasty evil, and I don't, it, it just didn't, it, it felt evil, not Renegade. Uh, Michael, you said you did Renegade in number three. Did you feel like that? Your choices as a Renegade, you kind of felt like, yeah, this is a complete fucking asshole? Besides killing Morden, like that? Um, no, for the most part, I felt like, uh, that second playthrough, that Renegade playthrough, was basically my Shepard having being willing to sell her soul in order to save the galaxy. Okay. How uh, how it came across to me. Because listening to Chris about how 
some some of them in Mass Effect 2 were kind of, you know, complete dick moves. I was kind of wondering if that was, you know, the same situation in number three. Good to know that it's not like that. One of the things, uh, let's see. Speak- I look forward to renegating through three because there are so many times where I did, I wanted to do the renegade thing. I'm looking forward to talking about Rannoch on that note. Oh, that's actually, that was the next one I was looking at. That was going to be my next one. So what you want, go ahead, talk about Rannoch. That, that mission, I, that was another mission I thoroughly enjoyed. Rannoch is, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic planet. I think Tuchanka is actually my favorite planet in uh, Mass Effect 3. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the architecture and the over, you know, the destroyed architecture and overgrown plants. And, you know, just seeing that the Krogan had once been a pretty interesting race. Uh, mm-hmm. But Rannoch, of course, is fantastic because it brings to close the whole Quarian Geth war. And you realize while you're inside the uh, Geth mainframe, assuming you actually do the uh, fighter squadron side mission, that, you know, you get to see some footage from the morning war back when the Geth and the Quarians were first going to war against each other and the Quarians left Rannoch. And you get to see that it really was the Quarians who were the aggressors because... I forgot it, that that was an optional mission. You yeah. could completely um, miss that. Yeah, so you know, on my first Shepard, I was able to bring the Quarians and the Geth together and create peace, uh, allowed Legion to do his little upload to make all of the Geth individuals rather than collective intelligence. And, you know, in the process, he sacrificed himself. And then, of course, the some of the Geth had already, you know, like immediately offered to start helping the Quarians settle in on the planet. And, you know, there's a conversation with Tally on the Normandy later where she talks a little bit about how they're helping with uh, medicines and so on. The more interesting playthrough, though, is the the second one that I've that I'm uh, still in the process of. I haven't done the final Earth mission yet on her. In that playthrough, um, she didn't have enough, you know, reputation or whatever, you know, hadn't made the right choices to be able to convince the Quarians to stand down during Legion's little upload. So she was forced to make a choice between the Geth and the Quarians. Um, <laughs> uh, the Quarians are now extinct. <laughs> and Tally committed suicide. <laughs> Whoa. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah, it's... Like, the entire Quarian fleet was destroyed? Yes, the Geth wiped out the Quarian fleet. I didn't know that was possible. Oh my See, god. This, this is why I think it's so unreasonable for people to be so upset about the ending, because wildly different things can happen. This whole game yeah. is an ending, and you could <laughs> you could save the Quarians, you could save the Geth, and either of them could be destroyed. I, I or you say, save, What? Or you can save both. Yeah. Yeah, I, that was the most interesting decision in in my story. I thought was whether to save the Quarians or, or the Geth. I chose the Geth, but I just I thought it was a really cool, you know. I mean, that was a tough decision. It was, yeah. I, I mean, you've, say uh, you've got history with Tally, obviously, and I mean, how do you not like Tally, right? It's imp- I think it's impossible not to. Uh, she's yeah. just a lot of fun. I was in a, a relationship with her and- too. <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's that you can you can romance her but for my for my chef it came down to the fact that the quarians were not standing down when i had ordered them to do so they were the aggressors back when you know the geth first rose up against them and they were the aggressors this time around also oh, so to true. my shepherd the quarians just were never going to change and the geth simply wanted to be left alone or it's, they wanted to the chance it's like to if actually humans attack the Cylon. Yeah, it's it is similar to that. 
And my shepherd chose, you know, as difficult it was, she chose the one race out of the two that had not proven itself to consistently be an aggressor species um, and that genuinely seemed to want to try to fit into the rest of the galactic civilization. And yeah, uh, yeah, unfortunately, Tally uh, committed suicide, which you know, I, I call it unfortunate, but I, from her perspective, it makes perfect sense considering her species is now gone. God, it's just depressing. That's what I love about this game is that you can actually put that much thought into a decision like that. I completely agree, Chris. I I mean, I thought all of that too. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean that's why I completely agree with you, and and that's why I feel like the ending I have. I'm like, I didn't hate my ending. I'm, uh, it's all it was all up to me. Like it was all it was literally literally up to me about how it ended. Now I'm I, and it's not up to me about how it was designed. But as far as the story, like it's so interesting because if if I'm not happy with it, I'll go back and change it. Um, and I'll make different decisions. I don't need to get online necessarily to check and see what's the best one. Uh, only if I can't figure it out. But honestly, I picked what I what I would have done for the most part in all three games, and it turned out the way it did. And sometimes things were made unclear to me, and I was thinking I was making the right decision, and sometimes it wasn't. And that was one of the times where you know I just thought I was I was doing the right thing. So yeah, you don't get upset about that. You just like that it was possible for you to do something that you think is right and then ends up being wrong. Well, you know, I like Morden. It, and I didn't, it, it feels real. I didn't necessarily like when he died, but like whenever there was like a dramatic thing, like I, I thought it was cool. Cause I thought it would do, I thought, um, Oh, Morden's a hero. There we go. Like, I like that. He's a hero. I don't like that. He's gone. Cause I like, you know, but I, but oh, I definitely, yeah, I definitely uh, like that. It was a more cinematic thing again, too. Another thing is just my conversations. If they were a jerk and they were they were pushing people around, I'd bully them. I'd bully them until they stopped. I did the whole. Actually, my I tried to keep. I tried to make my my shepherd as Malcolm Reynolds as I could. Uh, just well, just because you know, just you know, I I wanted to make sure that he you know kicked butt and 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 made sure it was kind of like a Robin Hood a little bit. Almost. I'm going to imagine because of the type of player I know you are that you were very uh, in between. Like you made a lot of Paragon decisions. You made a lot of Renegade decisions. It's, it depends because I was really trying to role play this character too. You know how you one one thing that you told me because um, I, I played like maybe the first like twenty five minutes of it and then I had to stop for a while and then I finally got back to it. Well, during that 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 little bit that I wasn't playing, I remember having a conversation with you where you said I changed my shepherd's beard to be bigger because he looks more disheveled and it looks like I thought what a great idea. I should be playing the way I played the other two games where my decisions are more rational or more irrational. Not more irrational, but I guess more, you know, time sensitive. I'm really desperate here. I'm really trying to push. So I made a few more renegade decisions than I could. I was really trying. So to... did I. Yeah. I. I definitely shot first a couple times. Like, was, yeah, I, was I shot Udina without even thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? I, I thought I don't even a... know if it's possible for him to live. I shot his ass. No, it's not. If I you thought... do, if you don't use that trigger, if you don't act- activate the trigger, Ashley. Uh, at least it was Ashley uh, who shot Udina. That's yeah. not something I would have done in the first game. Unless you just killed the Vermeer survivor a moment before. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like it was, it was way more interesting to to pretty much create my character and make it feel like I was really desperate. Make it feel like things there were stakes. There was things that needed to be that needed to follow through and stuff. So yeah. I mean, I mean, it sounds like we played very similarly. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. We we try. I mean, you're not just trying to be Paragon and Renegade. You're trying to be oh, you, yeah, right? Character, yeah, on yeah. myself, but also just like, you know, what I think should be, what I think would make a really interesting. Oh, that's this would be cool if I did this. You know, it wasn't just 
I'm only going to play Renegade. I'm only going to play Paragon. You know, wasn't I just, you know, how the cards fall the way I feel like they should is how it ends. And you know what? Honestly, I came out at the end feeling like, you know, that was good. Were there any big uh, missions that you thought really stood out besides Tachanka, Rhinoch? Actually, when Cerberus invaded the Citadel, was it? Um, I think Thessia was another one. Is what you had mentioned, Thessia, Mike. Yeah, what? Thessia was fantastic. I mean, the architecture was very similar to Ilium in Mass Effect Two, though. So, you know, it didn't feel all that different. But you know, on each of the planets, I thought it was a lot of fun to be fighting alongside the other species. Yeah. I mean, you didn't do a whole lot of fighting alongside Krogans on Tuchanka other than cutscenes, but, you know, actually meeting up with some Asari throughout the Thessia mission was a lot of fun. And like I said earlier, uh, if I, I don't think there's any playthrough that I go through in the future where I don't take Javik with me because he says so much about Asari history that it's impossible for me not to want to, or it's impossible for me not to imagine having it each time I play it. No, I just wish I had that what, character. Have you heard of the oh, you first... didn't download him? No, I didn't download hey, Javik. He feels yeah. very central to the game to me. <laughs> no. He does. It's kind of odd because, well, not odd necessarily, but uh, you know, Casey Hudson and some of the others at Bioware were saying that uh, that it's completely optional. And yeah, that's true, but they or, also yeah. said that it doesn't have a big impact on the game. And it may not have a big impact as in like, actually changing decisions and so on but it feels like it really fleshes out the history of the universe which is why i was going to ask why would you want i mean if you've heard it all before in that one in that first playthrough i mean unless you wanted to hear it again you want to hear what everyone else has to say too yeah but i've i've already read that uh one of the that basically the second person you take with you because you're locked into liara of course for that mission but the second person basically just comments that inside um once you're inside the uh, cathedral uh, or library or whatever the heck that museum place, um, that the statues look very Prothean. It's yeah. basically all oh, this, what shit. I've read online. Whereas Javik will actually tell you, oh, this was so-and-so. Oh, okay. You know what? You just reminded me that I didn't have Javik on that mission. I had Garrus, and he was talking about how everything, yeah. And you basically realize at that moment that their gods are Prothean. I guess right. Javik would have just said straight up, "Oh yeah, I remember this." Yeah, like uh, <laughs> like the the goddess that they're always talking about, whose name I can't recall right now, um, off the top of my head, but she was Prothean apparently, <laughs> because the Protheans were a, a conversation that Javik has with Liara after Thessia has fallen and you're back on the Normandy. He basically tells her the Protheans had viewed the Asari as being the best hope for the next cycle. And so, so they intervened in their history so Thessia, to try and guide things a little bit to make sure that this species, with its wisdom and its patience, would become not, uh, more advanced. Did Thessia fall, though, in, within everyone's game? Is that, does that have to happen? That's scripted. Okay. Even though I didn't have Javik in my, my party, I just realized that the reason why I did know what you just told me is because you can actually have that conversation with them on the Normandy after that mission. Where he uh, does pretty much sum that stuff up for you and explain all of that. That's good. I'm glad Liara still confronts him, even if uh, he wasn't there on Thessia to start telling her things. Speaking of confrontation and cinematography, there's a couple things that Mass Effect 3 has done that I've been wanting to see in 1 and 2 that took until 3. One was your characters interacting with each other. 
Oh, on on board the Normandy and such. Yeah, on board the Normandy, and like actually, you know, getting the, the impression that they have relationships with each other, and not just you or with each other through you. Like, okay, there were many times where I, I was on the Normandy. I, I always, I'm always in habit. I if I walk around the Normandy after every mission, to see what people here. Are doing, see what they have to say. And there are a lot of times where they're not. Where in past games, they're always in the same room, doing the same room, doing the same thing. Garrus is making cal- doing calibrations in two all the time. They even make a joke about. Speaking like you of calibrations, at, love yeah. the several jokes about him doing calibrations. Yeah. Yeah. When Primark when makes uh, jokes. Primark, yeah. Two other people make jokes about it. Yeah. Yeah, that was like, great. You ask him where is Garrus? He's like, yeah, I don't know. He said something about doing calibrations or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then yeah. there, there's an ambient dialogue scene where he's kind of taunting to an extent Legion because Legion's like remarks on something being like being a thinks he can calibrate better than garrus so he does something and then garrus says oh yeah well watch this and then legion's like how did you do that how how was that even possible uh-huh. <laughs> i missed that one though i think the la- the only uh interaction i saw garrus do was with uh tally i think i know which one you're talking about yeah, yeah. that when you walk in on them yeah you walk in on them and they're like oh oh <laughs> which i guess i guess oh, explain that one i didn't yeah. see Oh, yeah, it, it, going it, there certain, at a certain time for that to happen. I guess you'd say they're having a relationship, and Talia, and Talia, and Talia is like, oh, if you're not having a relationship with either of them, yeah, obviously. But if you are, if Shepard is not in a relationship with either one of them, then near the end of the game, uh, you can walk in on them in the uh, the bat- the the main battery room where Garrus usually hangs out, oh. and they're like they're. You know, hugging basically. Fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, and Tally's helmet is still on, so they're not really doing a whole lot because she's still. Yeah. No, but that, no, I mean, but, that, you know, that's it's really just cool. like a little tender moment between the two. Of them. It's very funny how embarrassed they both get. And she basically tells him that she's just basically using him. So it's like for his body. I was like, that's kind of. I know. Did anybody encounter your characters drunk at the Normandy at any point? Tally. Yeah, I have Tally and uh, Ashley. Uh, yep, yeah, Ashley. They Ashley's were hilarious like drunks. Yeah, Ashley's like the only character who doesn't interact with anyone else. Yeah. Basically, yeah. she basically stays in that uh, starboard lounge the entire time. But yeah, when she when she gets drunk, it's hilarious because Shepard can basically you know joke about uh, turning the lights on and turning music on and stuff. Which I totally did. <laughs> I, both of my shepherds would have done that because they would have been <laughs> messing with her. <laughs> Oh no! I was just gonna ask uh, another thing too, uh, Miranda. What if what if she does? Does she die every time? No. Not? Wait! Whoa! You had her die? She yeah, died in yours. She died. Did in you? Life. Do you remember if you did loyalty mission in Mass Effect Two? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. You did it. Okay. Um, do you remember if when you talked to her earlier in the game? Um, I think it was the hologram conversation in the Spectre room. Uh, do you remember if you warned her about Kai Lang? Because apparently if you don't warn her in an earlier conversation that Kai Lang has been cited, you know, that you met him on the Citadel during the coup, then she won't be on her guard looking out for him when she's on Sanctuary and she will die. Son of a bitch! Apparently. That's what I've read online. You know what? I probably just thought, oh, she's working for Cerebus now still. No, she never went back to Cerebus. After you uh, went renegade, maybe I was or confused. not renegade, but rogue. I must have been confused about what was happening because I ended up just not. Did doing you it. ever meet her on the uh, on the citadel before that mission? Yeah, I met with her on the citadel. Talk to her. Okay. 
in a in a hologram. But um, when her yeah. when her dad dies, she 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 like shoots her dad or, or pushes him or shoot. I think she shot him and he fell off or something. Um, then he, then she like falls over and her and her sister are like have a moment and then she yeah. dies and I'm like, what well, I liked her the best pretty much because yeah. she, she was way more interesting than Ashley. But, yeah. It might have something to do with whether or not you gave her. Um, access to the records she asked for, too. I don't know for certain. I, see, oh, yeah, I bet. See, okay, see, this is what happened with me. I had a relationship with Miranda in Mass Effect 2. I called it off in Mass Effect 3, and which was which is really kind of... I had a moment. I was just like, "Oh man, I just feel like a complete asshole for calling off, calling off with this with with Take her." Oh, I know, but <laughs> but but, but, the, he, but he the, does get very vulnerable in that moment. So I see what you mean. Yeah, because the thing is, when I, when I was playing Mass Effect Two, they always refer to her like an like an ice cold bitch or something like that. And and by the end of Mass Effect Two, you know, she opened, you know, she very open with me, very expressive about her family and whatnot, and. So coming coming off of that into Mass Effect Three, and it's like, are we gonna, you know, are we still the same? And and I was like, no. And then that moment right there with her just trying to hide her emotions, it was like, oh Jesus, this is this is really sad. God damn, this is a fucking video game, and this and I'm getting sad over this. Weird. I'm not sure if that has to do with anything about calling it off with her, if she would live or not. I don't. I, think so i i would tend to doubt it uh but i actually did give her alliance access it might have been something to do with that video conversation with kai lang uh about kai lang about the coup because i don't think i ever told her anything about that oh you had her die too yeah she died yeah she died for me so how did she die it's not it's not really revealed it's just she's really she's really bloody by the time you get up there when when um her dad had her sister yeah. and the thing, and she's like struggling, but she's got her her gun drawn on the dad on her dad. Yeah, so she's she's already been injured, presumably by Kai Lang. Then, if it's true that you have to warn her about her to about him to keep her alive. Yeah, because the thing is, when you face Kai Lang on Cerberus, the Cerberus hideout, I mean, you have the option to do that renegade, you know, do that renegade uh, uh moment. If it does, I don't think it either. Ma- matters either way because i i was doing a straight paragon he pretty much takes his omni blade and just like shoves it up the kyling's torso and yeah, that's pretty cool and oh he, that was another renegade moment that i just took and oh, and he said this is for thane and miranda you son of a bitch and just just yeah. there you go yeah i think that would probably confirm that you do have to warn her about him then oh well i didn't know she would that didn't even dawn on me. Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to keep an eye out, out for that one. But that was a really cool moment. Like I was asking, I was talking to Josh about that. It's like it makes no sense why I was like, okay, that's a renegade moment. So what's he gonna do? And he still stabs the guy. It's like might as well next time he's gonna go fucking renegade and just just do it. Just just. Oh, so he does the same thing regardless. It's just what he says. I guess so. Oh. I I wish I would have done a playthrough twice just to see the difference. No, I. It sounds like it doesn't matter to me. Because I know Josh, you you said you did the renegade motion and yeah, and pretty much what I basically described did the same thing. That just happened, yeah. Just his omni blade flipped out and like slow mo, and he stuck him, and then he said, "This is for Miranda, you son of a bitch." See, so did he? Did, have... did he... Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it was a cool moment. I liked it, but yeah, that's yeah. a little disconcerting that it's just kind of the same thing regardless. Well, you know, uh, as many, it's good that there are a lot of things that can be different, but. At the end of the day, it's the third game, and like certain things have to happen regardless. 
Right, right. Yeah. That's very true. And you, you regardless, have to applaud just their ambition in trying to have all these different branching paths of, of things that can happen in the story. Now, the last mission, uh, Earth, or as we know, the big, you know, the big phrase, take Earth back. I've heard, I've heard some, it's like nit, nitpicking complaints about the Earth missions, because some have said that they never felt like that whole, you know, that whole phrase, take Earth back, never really transpired in these missions. Do you agree with that? Like, do you think that, I guess you would say you took Earth back by any chance, or did you feel like you were shortchanged? Because honestly, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was shortchanged, but I felt like I would have been on Earth a lot longer, considering that was a big marketing tool for Mass Effect 3. Josh, what about you? I, I thought it was all right. Now, again, I, I kind of rushed through <laughs> playthrough. I'm again on this one. I put into it. So, so it I don't was... I don't mean to laugh, but I, I, I remember just getting texts of your playthroughs and it was yeah. it was quite enjoyable. So it was incredibly <laughs> frustrating for me. Um uh, just because I, I did I was not prepared as a crew to, to really take on take on those final challenges, I don't think. And uh like the roof like for instance the rooftop sequence and then at the end where you're fighting like tons of those um brutes and banshees. Brutes and banshees, yeah. Um, like I really, I was hanging on by a thread, and I died so many times. So basically, I just had to kind of run to like the missile launch thing and just like hit it and like dive over everyone to get there. That's actually apparently what you're supposed to do. Apparently, they are endless respawns. Wow. Okay. And you're just supposed to survive long enough for you know control over the missile battery to be achieved, so that you can go use the controls okay. and send it off to. You're. I'm trying to remember. We were supposed to blow up a Reaper at that point, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I liked that, uh, though. Uh, I think in this in this game, um, it was wor- it was really worth doing a lot of combat because uh, I th- I'm pretty sure you actually got experience from combat. It, you got you actually you got experience in the first game, the third game. You didn't actually get experience in the second game. As fun as combat was in the second game, I lost a little bit of the motive to actually fight people because uh, you only got experience. From completing missions were in this one i'm pretty sure i saw pop-ups saying experience after combat yeah i got that too i don't know if it was just because it was like a checkpoint experience or if it was you fought so many guys experience or you fought so well experience i don't i don't i don't i didn't get that breakdown of you know how the experience system worked in the game but yeah i I think one it was like it was worth doing extra combat because you would get the experience Right. I this is just like a really personal thing, I guess. Like a, a personal preference for how I would have liked to have seen that final sequence kind of play out. I think it would have been cool just to see. I don't know if it would have been some Earth survivors, uh, troops, or something, or just. I think it would be uh, just would have been cool to see some other force like with you, and like charging into this basically inevitable doom while you're fighting. Because I felt like it was kind of just really one on one with you it's and been the a lot of time alone. Hey, I got it was. Up. I got a missed opportunity as well. It's a lot of you could tell it was a lot of um, a lot of Bioware trying to use as much as get as much out of the Xbox and 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 their available you know memory as they could because they tried everything they can to make that seem as epic and as big as they could by putting you know seeing the Makos like in the background you could kind of sometimes see people running across in the background but you only ever fought with your own party and I think I think they would have done it if they could I just don't think they had the memory for it. You think it was limitation? Okay, yeah. yeah that, I heard that there, I heard that there was so much limitation that the reason why 
your character's gun always sticks out all the time. You know, if you notice, he never lowers his gun. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't even put it away like in past games. I heard it was a memory limitation. <laughs> wow. Of all the memory limitations is putting your gun away. Yeah, I heard they just... <laughs> it, I heard it was a memory limitation. I, I don't know if that's for real, but, I mean, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, I th- they did what they could, what they can. Um, it, I didn't ever feel like there was, like, a lot of people around me until we were charging that Reaper at the end. Yeah, yeah. that's that's all That the was time. fucking awesome. That... That's the only time when you actually had other people around you, and I have to agree with Josh. There was a, it was just a lot of one on one, and and what Ben said, yeah, it's a definitely a missed opportunity. Unfortunately, felt like a missed opportunity in some way. I mean, I, I'm it, still it, very happy with it though. I mean, it was fun. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it, but like when I just think take Earth back, I, I imagine it's not just my crew; it's everybody else involved in this war. Uh-huh. And I this, definitely was hoping for a more involved series of missions i i did i i hoped for it i didn't expect it i mean if this was a tv series i would expect that this portion would be like four episodes long like it would be long you know what i mean yeah exactly it would be like a season a two two hour season finale there would have been episodes leading it would be like two separate like two nights of season finales and it would both be two hours long without commercial like that's what <laughs> that's what i would expect and like i mean that's, at least that's what i would hope for and uh you know, I, I kind of wanted it to be a little longer, but I, I what I didn't miss was just the whole aspect of we're going home. And, and what you don't get, like I mentioned it earlier, what you don't get, you know, going through the galaxy is, I mean, what you do get is a lot of alien-looking stuff. And this is the only time in the game where, I mean, you're in London, and it is a very conscious decision for that to be in London, to have, to have you know, landmarks that you can recognize, like Big Ben. It's like, it's the sci-fi future. And then you realize, one, that it's not that far in the future for one it's like 2185 i think okay not that far away you know not that far away the reason why we have this technology is because we discovered i think the mass relay is where it started you know with humanity i I don't if i can remember what i read in the codexes and you know our big leap into it was a big leap in technology for us because we discovered all this alien technology and uh it was about a 30 year period for humanity being on the galactic stage yeah, I mean it's it's very it's been very recent and like we've been spent all this time going around the galaxy in space. It was it was it was it was very shocking to come home and be like, oh, this looks like Earth. This looks like home. I mean, and then it's being destroyed. And it, I had a, I mean, I may not have had that like that epic like there's men in the trenches with me experience, but I did have that emotional experience. Like I was telling Annie, like I I, I don't know how how I could put my I don't know how to put my finger on it or explain it, but I, I've not felt an emotional experience in seeing earth get destroyed and other pieces of fiction the way i have in this this is the first time you've even seen Earth. i think that has a lot to do with it. well, well it's, the second time, it's very right? precious because you saw it at the beginning when you were taking off yeah i mean but i mean the mass effect 3 was the first time we got to see Earth. oh right 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 like, right you yeah. see it in one and two like in one when you could find your way to the local cluster i thought you know i clicked on earth i'm like oh my god can i land nope <laughs> you can only go to the moon and see earth yeah which you know and you feel like oh man we're so far away from that and then in three it's like man you feel like once again you know as far as we've come technology wise like we still can barely take on the reapers you know and it was very cool with the whole i mean i it didn't get past me the whole idea that the crucible is this thing that's taken cycles and cycles and cycles of life of sentient life forms to try and adapt and, and they've tried to make this thing and it's like millions of years I, I think they pre i think the i think javik i don't know if anybody else told you this but i think it was javik who told me pretty much like you know this crucible project didn't start with the protheans even it was because the reapers 
didn't att- the first people they attacked was not Protheans. It was it was cycles and cycles before that, and each cycle takes maybe fifty thousand years. So it, you know, he talked about millions of years that the Protheans have been doing this. Now, uh, excuse my part of my ignorance, but. When you talk about Javik, do I have to buy Javik, or was he supposed to come with automatically with the game? Javik, uh, it's, it's a mission and a, and a character. Yeah, uh, Javik is from Ash's DLC. Oh, okay. Where you go back to Eden Prime, where it all began, which is very appropriate because you know that's where the that's where the beacon was, Shepard. It comes, uh, comes full circle. Yeah, I like yeah. that. It's a really and you get this really cool flashback where you get to see Javik and the Protheans fighting and. Uh, Shit! I, in fact, without buying that, I don't know if you ever get to see a Prothean. No. Now that I think about it, have you? Do you even know what a Prothean looks like, SP? Uh, no. If, if Other I, than think, the or, or I think you, I think you get some vague glimpses of them in the pro, uh, in the Beacon Visions, but yeah. don't get uh, yeah. a really so good, clear kind of, view of them. They it's should like get that like a green, whole... like hologram kind of thing that you kind of see them, right? Yeah. 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 And, well, the the uh, the VI on Thessia. Is Prothean. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. get a, you get an idea of what they look like there. Uh, ben had uh, something he wanted to mention about missed opportunities. Oh yeah. Um. I, I, I no. It's been so long because I've been trying to talk about it. I'm sorry. So I thought it would have been. A, it's kind of a missed opportunity. I just we were talking. It was this was back when we were talking about how we thought it would be cool if this happened. We thought it'd be cool if this happened. Um. One of the things I thought would have been really interesting, and I don't, and I don't know if you guys agree or not, but it would have been cool for the story, is if um. I really didn't care, or didn't. I really didn't think that. I thought the elusive man was was an interesting uh, character and very neat with his kind of backstory. A little bit, you get to learn a little bit about what he was about. Whoa! When did well, you get backstory? Well, just by talking to him a little bit and seeing that you know his intentions and stuff like that, you can ask him other questions instead oh. of on. And, I meant and, like his origin. So. Yeah. Well, you actually bit. can get that um, not in the game, but um, in one of the comic miniseries that have been released it's called evolution um is about the elusive man as a much younger man i haven't read it yet but i plan on buying it soon and i'm hoping it gives a little bit of an insight into just how long he's known about the reapers because his he gives you the impression of mass effect 3 that he's known about the reapers long before Shepard did very curious about that so so anyway um i guess my point i'm the point i was trying to make with with uh the elusive man is how he's so sneaky with with being able to um, resurrect Shepard, bring him back, and do all these things. Um, how cool would it have been to have whoever died in your first game, Kaiden or what was the other one? Ashley. Ashley. Depending on which one you decided to kill, the the character was it Kai Lang. Kai Lang. Yeah. Kai Lang was very uninteresting. That wasn't a, that wasn't a, a, a an interesting villain at all because we I hadn't seen it till the fourth one. Yeah, crazy cyborg ninja, whatever. I, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. He's, but how he's cool like the gray fox of the game. Uh, yeah, that's but, exactly what I was gonna say. Dude. <laughs> that's what I thought the first time I saw him. You guys are absolutely right. Just like even gray... when he and when he fought Fade. No, I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah, hold on. I know, but what? How awesome would it have been to make that character that died that you had decided to die in the first game make that? The, oh, the, really, like, gray foxum. You really like, uh, uh, you know, resurrect. You know, the elusive man resurrects that character and then uses that body to toy with you, almost in a way. I don't know. That's an interesting idea. I'm not sure how possible it would have been, considering how close they would have been to the uh, well, ground zero of a nuclear detonation. I don't know. Like, I did. I did burn up in an atmosphere. 
in an atmosphere and two and they brought me back i mean yeah that's true you you have a <laughs> thing i'm just i'm just i've always kind of hoped that maybe shep i've always looked at that as maybe maybe shepherd didn't actually end up going through re-entry or something but oh they explained yeah. pretty well that they you, they pretty much had pieces of you yeah <laughs> about what ifs and stuff like that right. but like i think that would have been a neat i mean maybe yeah. not a clear explosion but something the game's not hurt by the fact that they didn't yeah. fulfill these little wishes of ours. Yeah. Speaking of Kai Lang, though, just uh, real quick, um, because Ben said, you know, how uninteresting this character is because you know so very little about him. That's another thing that they've explored a little bit more in the uh, outside media. Um, you know, Anderson talks about having had a run-in with him before while he was helping Kaylee Sanders, um, who was on the uh, Grissom Academy space oh, station. I bet that's and, um That was in one of the books. Which book was that? Kaylee, uh, Kaylee Sanders has been in, I think, all of the books, actually. Interesting. That they've huh, published so, so far. So they've tied in characters from the other fiction outside the game. Yeah, Kai Lang was introduced in, uh, I want to say it was book three. I think it was called Retribution, maybe. Uh, I don't remember the title offhand for certain. But yeah, he was introduced in that book and then, of course, comes into this game. And even having read that book, I agree with Ben that he's very uninteresting. Oh, wow. So even... I just... I mean, I don't really remember the book that well at this point because it came out, like, last year sometime, and it's one of several things that I've read since then. And I just don't think he's that interesting. Even even with all, knowing all the information about him through the yeah, book? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember how much information we actually get about him other than the fact that he's hunting a specific individual in the book. And Shepard and – or, sorry, not Shepard, but uh, Anderson and Sanders both get in his way, and he um, almost kills both of them. That's unfortunate. I think Ben's idea is actually much more interesting, considering the fact that, you know, Loose Man did bring back Shepard back to life. So, why not take one of your old crew members and throw a big curveball at your face? And it's just like, this shit just keeps getting better and better. I mean, it just it never gets easy. I mean, that's that's a frequent line that's used throughout the game. And Chris, you were talking about technology in this game. Uh, uh, what technology? Well, I know Josh and I were kind of joking about this, about having to go on the Normandy to check your email. <laughs> and I was telling him, like, well, it's the year 2012. Where's my iPhone 27? Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Actually, I guess it would be iPhone maybe 100 or like 185. Or yeah. It it didn't dawn on me until, like, I, I went on the Citadel and I knew I had to meet Miranda. And I was like... I forget where I have to meet her at, and then I'm like, I can't even check that unless I go all the way back to the Normandy and look at my terminal. And I'm like, why are there no like phones <laughs> that I can actually check this? And like, <laughs> thousand years into the future, it's like reverse evolution. <laughs> I, I, it's like it it. I wouldn't say it definitely har like harmed my experience with the game, but it was definitely. It got kind of annoying because there's some situations it was like, I don't remember where the hell I have to go. Oh, I have to go back to the Normandy. Great. I think I think it's just kind of funny that in was it 2185 that that there's no handheld device to check your email. I know it sounds really silly, but it's 2012 and it's quite almost everybody seems to have a smartphone on them and checking their email, checking their Facebook. So I thought it was just kind of, it was just kind of funny that it's not in this game. Now that I think about it, I kind of wish it was, but... Uh, yeah, going along with that... Like, you'd think it'd be an implant by huh? then. <laughs> yeah, implants. <laughs> going along with that, I, I guess that kind of goes into, like, the sort of uh, why there are certain things that, like... I mean, 
why did I have to go down to the cargo area to like change my armor and shit? Like, you could have gone to your cabin to do that. I mean, but why do I the weapons? Of course, I understand not doing it planet side, but why do I have to go to a room to do that? Yeah. Well, you like, could. Why also... can't I like? Why there should be a terminal in every single room where I should just be able to access that, like, <laughs> and send a message down to Lewis Cortez, who's in love with me, and like. <laughs> And, and just say, fix, like, do this for me. Like, you know, like, I don't mind. Like, my only guess is that, that that's there to try and get you to move through the ship, you know, once in a while. I, I guess that's Bioware as just a design thing that gets you to go through the ship every once in a while. The fact that you have to go down there to check your armor, you know, yeah. you have to go to this room to do that. I'm, I'm guessing. I would only guess. It seems like Otherwise, it, it like seems you know, like, yes. I, yeah, I, I just hate it in a game where they artificially make things take longer. Like I have to go check my, I have to go to, the, I can't, why can't I check my email everywhere? You know. Speaking of uh, email, one quick aside: the iOS devices, Bioware released a little app called Mass Effect Datapad, and while you're playing through the game, after you've linked your app to your EA account, and you know, have your game linked to your EA account. Um, you can actually receive additional little messages from your crew and people that you meet along the way. No way. Are you serious? I am serious. For <laughs> example, one, uh, you remember the little section when you meet Garrus on the Citadel? Yeah. The bottle shooting competition? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you can let him win or you can win, and he'll send you a message after that. And my shepherd has a little message where he's being – or actually, I think this was on the Renegade one because I didn't have the app installed um, – during my first playthrough, but uh, on my second one, uh, Garrus sent her a message congratulating her on winning the Great Bottle War or something and says that if the bottles ever rise up in rebellion, they'll know who to call. And if you allow Samantha Trainer, this is for female shepherds, if you allow Samantha Trainer uh, to use your shower, she'll send you a message thanking you and saying that she still feels oddly dirty, which <laughs> I believe is a reference to the fact that my shepherd joined her. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, you didn't know that you could have a relationship with Samantha? No, no. I, I the, oh. whole, the whole data app thing is just... This, I, oh, yeah, yeah. It, no, that's cool. I like that. One it's of just, the other cool things in the Datapad app is a fully voiced uh, copy of the codex. Really? Yeah. See, I, I'm i not surprised that it exists because I've been saying, why isn't there a codex app? Because all of this stuff in the codex, I want to read it, but I don't want to stop in the middle of the game and read it. Yeah. But if I'm sitting waiting, you know, to get a seat at Flat Top Grill, I'll sit there and read the codex. So I'm happy that exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it also allows you to do very incremental updates to your galactic readiness status. I'm talking like 0.089% at a time or something, you know, very small amounts. So much so that it's not even worth it. You'd only use it to like supplement what you're doing in multiplayer. You know, if you've gone from, like, a 100% down to, like, a 98% overnight or whatever, you could use this to supplement. But, yeah, that part of the app is not worth it at all. So they just pretty much expand. It's not just the, uh, it's not just, um, wow, they're they're really branching out in the comics and iPhones. Is it just for the iPhone or is it just? Um, it's for any device that will run iOS, uh, whatever, like, the latest version is. What is it? I think it's 5. Yeah. yeah. So some of the newer iPod touches, um, I would assume the iPad can, you know, the iPhones. Um, they also recently released 
right around the same time as the game launched, they released a spinoff game called Infiltrator, which uh, a, from the re- reviews I've read online is pretty bad. Not developed in-house by Bioware at all. Some other studio did it. Um, the studio that did the Dead Space versions for iOS oh. did Infiltrator. That's and a good. few years back, Bioware did release Mass Effect Galaxy, which takes place shortly before Mass Effect 2, and you play as Jacob. Ah, uh, see, that's... A, the mission that he mentions in Mass Effect 2 where he saved the council and met Miranda, that's all in Galaxy, which is actually oh. kind of... I own it, and thought it was pretty good. See, that's, that's pretty cool. They tie in all that extra stuff into the game in some yeah, way. And later this year, they have their first anime film coming out called Paragon Lost, which is about uh, James Vega's um, failed mission against the Collectors. Oh. This is in Mass Effect 3. Speaking of him, like, what do you guys think of that? Like, I don't want... Uh, let's talk about him real quick, and then we'll move on to the most controversial ending of all time. Uh, what do you guys think of him? Like, because I, I had no idea when I started listening to the character's voice, I didn't know who it was until I, I looked online, and it was Freddie Prince Jr. I thought he did a really good job. I, the, I was like really baffled. I was like, Freddie Prince Jr. is that is that the guy from She's All That? That guy? <laughs> he also uh, more recently he did a season of Twenty Four. Oh, did he? See, I, see, the thing is, I haven't watched Twenty Four. I probably should, but I. I I have never gotten into it. I, I was just really impressed with his voice work. Uh, I really thought he did a fantastic job with James Vega. I mean, I really don't know how else to go into it, but he really gave that character a lot of depth, and I liked how he seemed how James to be seemed to be like a little bit of a renegade himself, and I really liked that. And I like the fact we're talking about character character interactions. I love how Cortez and James were just banter. Ban- bantering back and forth. I absolutely loved yeah. it. Even whenever I wanted to talk to them, if they were talking, I would actually just stand there and just listen and just let the, let the conversation go out. Cause I think there's like a good solid minute or so when they were just bantering back and forth. And I was just laughing. My, did you, did you hear their argument about whether the Kodiak or no, whether the hammerhead or the Mako was better? Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, that was really fun. It just, like I said, these moments just make me like the game even more. Yeah. I uh, that James was just going to be kind of like what he looked like when you first see a picture of him. You know, that he would just be this really uninteresting meathead marine. Yeah. Uh, but no, they, I mean, I, I shouldn't have expected that. I should have trusted Bioware to do a little bit more than that. And they, they did. I thought he ended up being a really interesting character, even if I didn't take him on missions with me all that often. Because, you know, I kind of... It, I mean, I tried to spread out the use of my teammates and not get into the habit like I did in Mass Effect 1 or even to an extent in Mass Effect 2 of having, like, two go-to people all the time. But yep. I think they did a pretty good job with Vega. Before <laughs> we move on to the end of the game, yep. one other thing that I wanted to talk about real quick, just because I uh, have the character page open on my computer here. Okay. What are people's thoughts on Diana Allers? Oh. Jessica Chobot? Uh... Yeah, the IGN reporter. <laughs> How how useless was that character? She was annoying as shit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is that who that was? Yes, it's Jessica yeah, Chobot. Jessica Chobot. She's Jessica Chobot. Yeah. I thought I recognized her voice or something. That's what she looks like. Well, they, they do that, when yeah. they make the models. They actually do a little bit of facial scanning because that I, was pretty much her. 
I didn't yeah. understand that at all. I, I was I kept thinking that something was going to happen with her, and I'm like, did I mi- I must have missed something with her because nothing really happened. So her, yeah. her, if you can have a relationship with her, that's it. Yeah, you can have a relationship with her, and she'll boost up some of your uh, war. She is a war asset. Your yeah. interviews. Wait, does anyone know if you're a female Shepard of Shaw relationship with you? She will. She goes both ways. She goes both ways, yeah. Trainer will only have a relationship with a female Shepherd, and she actually has a pretty amusing joke if uh, a male Shepherd hits on her. Um, I uh, There was a moment, there was a, after a certain mission, like, you can call a bunch of people up to your cabin because they all want to say something to you. Yeah. And it's, it's a moment to basically hit on all of them, and <laughs> I, I made my main decision first saved it and then i went back and i was just curious what would happen and yeah i found out samantha trainer does not dig the sausage and- <laughs> yeah she uh she, she references a comment that she made earlier in the game where she uh uh commented on Edie's voice being sexy and then she gets to have this fun little moment where she tells shepherd that she can now go tell her friends that she broke the great shepherd's heart oh did and- you guys I'm sorry. And yes, Cortez is only romanceable for male shepherds. And he has a little moment where you meet him um, in Purgatory where he uh, comments on observing the dancers. And I think this is your big cue to him because you can or because you can tell him that you're also enjoying the view of the dancers on the dance floor right in front of you, in which case he's actually looking at a guy. Or you can tell him that you prefer the view of the Asari dancers off on the oh, stage. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think I think no, I think I think it was a choice. Like, no, I'm good. I candy. I believe that was like one of the choices in the dial uh, that you select. He's like, I think it said, you know, I'm good. I candy. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I didn't see that one. That's that's funny. That's awesome. Although I like I said, I completed with Ashley just because I romanced with her number one, and I thought for me, my experience coming full circle, it, I thought it had more weight in number three, and and it did. So I'm very happy with my decision. That's what happened with me with Liara, you know, since she was absent through most of two, except for Lair the Shadow Broker, I, you know, I was with Liara on the first one, you know, it was like, it was whatever, it wasn't like this big love. Two, you know, she was very detached from me, and I was in a relationship with, I, 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 uh, I had a thing with Jack, and that ended. Oh. I mean, we did a nasty down there, and then, um, <laughs> that was it. Which I didn't. option for that one. I uh I don't know. I just I just we had a there was a scene there was dry rubbing and you know because that's all you do in Mass Effect Two is dry rub and um, <laughs> but uh I guess I didn't even I guess you can take that farther. I didn't even know that was possible. I yeah, thought there, there are two romance options for Jack and yeah. the second. We game. had a one off and that one was isn't it. Really a romance. It's just down and dirty sex and then that's you can actually live. You can have an actual romance with her. See, I had no idea. If you don't go with that one. But then I then I had a romance with Tali. We did the whole thing where she had to took all the antibiotics to so she could take her suit off, and they still didn't let me see what a corian looks like. <laughs> and, um, and then three, I just you know you spent Lee hours there so much, and I oh oh I forgot Lair the Shadow Broker. I did play Lair the Shadow Broker, and that's an opportunity in two to actually kind of restart your thing with liara and i did do that i don't think they really carried that over well with three i don't we didn't really ever have this conversation about what what, what happened to us with the shadow broker really talk about that which i thought was weird but you know i rekindled the thing with her in three and it felt very strong and uh and i and i totally confronted by tolly she i mean she's like i understand that you have a you, you know you're with liara and you know whatever and so it, it ended up being very it worked out really well for me, like that whole chain of relationships. And it was interesting how that was dealt with. Ugh. And I, I think I think Jack even made a comment when I met her on Grissom Academy. I get, and I've heard for some people that like 
if you romance or have relations with different people, there's never ever any kind of repercussion or like any real mention. So I, I've heard some weird oddities. Like I, I heard somebody talking about um, from IGN, he was talking about how his female shepherd had a relationship with, um, I think Garrus, and then um, and then his female shepherd had a relationship uh, two, and, and then had a relationship with somebody else in three. Garrus like never calls her on it or anything, and he just walks in on him and Tally, and like there's no like like no awkward conversation or anything it's just kind of oh yo happy the, the for game you seems, the game seems to handle it that if you lock in a relationship with someone else in most cases the previous relationship never existed yeah where in my case it was actually addressed so i was happy that that happened in my case but yeah that seems I've to heard, be the rare exception though that is yeah I, i've heard of a lot of people where it's just like it didn't seem to really matter you know? yeah and everybody's Mass- freewheeling and cavalier and, and yeah you know, and mass effect future. one my main shepherd romance Liara, uh, then Miranda in two, and in three he initially told Miranda that you know they were still together or whatever you know uh, in that conversation. But the lock-in point for the Liara relationship came much later. By that point, there wasn't another conversation with Miranda where it would be addressed. So he yeah. just went back to Liara at that point because he had also kind of rekindled during Shadow Broker DLC. See, that's really odd because I would think that. They, with mass and with Bioware being, you know, addressing all these, you know, stories, I I would hope, you know, I would hope for some kind of repercussions or, or some kind of awkward conversation to add more weight to it. I thought that would been much more. I thought that would been much more interesting to tell you the yeah. truth. I'm surprised the they didn't day, do it. Like I mean, and kind of touching on like the ending. You know, some people complain about how certain things don't have an effect or like you know. Why don't your decisions have more repercussions of certain aspects of things? Why aren't they Why aren't they more different? And like at the end of the day, like I'm just so happy they managed to get down, managed to pull off what they did, because it's really hard, you know. Oh yeah, I, when I they agree. first when they were talk before the first game came out, when they were talking about what they wanted to do with the games, I'm like, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you can pull that, if you can pull that off halfway, I'm going to be ecstatic. I, I think they got it more than halfway. I, I don't think they ever actually did what they said they were going to do but i never expected that i just i, I felt like that was them saying being artists and saying this is what i want to do and this is in the end of the day this is what actually happened and i know what that's like you know you're ambitious you don't always live up to that ambition yeah it's tough that's how so I I, that's why i was just happy i'm not saying like i settled or anything but no i was really happy with you know i'm just you know there's some things they didn't achieve but there's but everything they did achieve i'm just like that's an astounding achievement that nobody's ever done this will conclude part one of our discussion for ME3. If you have any questions, email us at coopmodereviews at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at coopmodereviews. If you like, please visit our site coopmodereviews.com that is co-opmodereviews and subscribe to the RSS feed. Thanks for listening!